0: Powered from the Promo Cigar Studios on the Red Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from the Drew State Studios remotely out west, this is episode 214 of the Primetime Show. Tonight, we welcome back Pete Johnson of Tatawahe Cigars as our special guest. And as always, the Primetime Show is sponsored by Saga Cigars. Douglas Race introduces another chapter of the saga, the Saga Selez. So is a Spanish word that means leisure after work in the spirit of the standing ideal of owning your own journey and making your own saga. Saga Slez is the perfect companion to enrich those moments of choice, making them truly yours. Saga's Slez carries a blend of Criollo, Olor and Piloto Cubano wrapped in a selected Ecuador shade Claro wrapper that generously delivers with elegance and surprisingly rich and balanced smoke. It's available in three sizes at an affordable price. Ask your retailer for a Saga Slez. And by promo cigars, Awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal, the Perdomo 20th Anniversary brand is consistently earning the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in Humoros around the world. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary blend requires tobacco has been carefully hand-selected and it for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan sungrown, and a dark, oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combining these beautifully barrel-aged wrappers with thick high-priming binder and filler tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Cigars is a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing and agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo Estate Selection Vintage, the Perdomo Double Age 12-Year Vintage, the Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary Line, Perdomo Bur- Bourbon Barrelies, Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo and Menso 70, and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the new Perdomo website at www.perdomocigars.com. And by Drew Estate. Drew Estate's about to make someone a whole lot richer. During its Freestyle Live show on the company's Facebook Live page, Drew Estate announced that it would hold a Bitcoin sweepstakes with numerous incredible prizes during the upcoming Freestyle Live events, including a grand prize of one full Bitcoin for a lucky fan to be announced on the February 17th, 2022 edition of the show. Entry into the unheralded Druid State Bitcoin sweepstakes is simple – During three of the company's shows, October 15th, November 11th, and upcoming on January 20th, 2022, the company will randomly select the names of five people who attend the online show and comment during specific times in each broadcast as potential winners of an assortment of fantastic prizes. The five winners from each of the three shows will create a contestant pool of 15 people eligible to win the grand prize Bitcoin. You can find more at www.drewestate.com or visit Drew Estate's Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Drew Estate. And remember, all the live streaming for the Primetime Network shows, as well as the California studios for the uh, Primetime Network shows, is sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate. Well, welcome, everybody. This is Primetime, episode 214. This is uh, Will Cooper in the uh, Perdomo Studios on the Red Stage. Today is Thursday, December 30th, 2021. Um, Joined uh, cross-country in a remote location tonight by... Mr. Aaron Loomis, I like will doing good, doing good. You know, I should mention before we introduce our guest, um, the Tatuaje Studios, which is home to the Smoking Syndicate, is now officially moved into North Carolina. That's true. So the bull shark is now in the borders of North Carolina, I've been told, <laughs> and uh, he is now joining Team North Carolina here. So we're very excited about that.
1: Uh, I hope his six week uh, stay is nice.
0: Um, yeah, I'm that's not sure where he's
1: heading next. But,
0: exactly. Yeah. You
1: know, I wish I wish him well for a short stay.
0: I wish him well. We we don't know how. like Bear thought he was gonna have him for a couple of years, and the next yeah. thing, Bear, they're having this tearful goodbye, <laughs> and they're both <laughs> moving the same day, which is like yeah. crazy. Two guys on your team moving the same day, which was which was strange. So uh, a lot going on with that. But yeah, so the uh, the tattoo studios will be. And I, and I think Ben's going to have a location where he doesn't have this wind, like <laughs> oscillating for <Right>. Pete, <laughs> but, uh, no, uh, you have a good Christmas, Aaron. I yeah, did. How about yourself? Uh, great Christmas. I can't complain. Uh, okay. and you no, know, today was a big day for me. Cause I, I finished everything on the day job for 2021. So I'm, I'm done, which is like great. Yeah. Same. Yeah. yeah. Enjoy
1: the rest of the year and head into.
0: Yeah. Well, we're going to be home, but uh, that's okay. So, uh, we'll be, uh, we'll be home, but I'm fine being home. So, yeah. Uh, but, hey, Aaron, why don't we introduce our uh, guest tonight? Absolutely. All right. Uh, proud to welcome back to Primetime, coming at us yes. from Miami, Florida. Pete Johnson, Tatooine guys. Pete, welcome back to Primetime. Thanks, nice, Coop. Thanks, Aaron. Uh, I'm actually really happy to be here. Thanks for having
2: me on as your, I guess, your last guest for the year, right?
0: Save right. the bets for last, right? Well, it's
2: kind of cool because I, I guess I'm getting next year over with early, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <There you go. laughs> I mean, uh, I, I, when
2: was the last time I was on
0: with you guys? I, I you, forget. You did, it was the you summertime. On with, actually, on with, with us, you were on with Bear uh, and Aaron Nielsen. Yeah, I was on with Bear. In, and, yeah, but you did the show Bear and Aaron Nielsen with us back in April. Ah,
2: uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was great. Actually, Aaron's yeah. great people.
0: Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah, he's an awesome guy. He's like been a huge help, like to the team too. Like I don't know just a lot of little things right now too. Um and uh, but yeah, and then you were on with us probably a little over a year ago, so. So it's been with this show probably a little over a year.
2: Perfect. I love being the last guy. I mean, this this actually uh, couldn't have come at a better time. I mean, it's my. I think it's my last day of having COVID. I'm not sure yet, but uh, you you, you've
0: joined. (laughs) But I'm smoking. I'm
2: drinking, and that's all that matters. I can taste. I can smell. Yeah, I'm just happy to be uh, outside smoking a cigar at uh, ten something p.m. here in Miami.
0: Yeah. Well, just like I said. You know, if you're not feeling great at some point during the show, we'll understand that. But, uh, you know, we won't keep you. We won't go to bear marathon either tonight. I can assure you that unless you want to. Oh, no,
2: I'll I'll be feeling fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 I I haven't really felt bad other than like maybe a little congestion the other day. But uh, no, all good in the hood which I'm yeah. and, I, and and by the way I'm wearing a very heavy sweatshirt outside in Miami and it's a little warmer tonight than it was the last <laughs> few nights so I'm breaking once again another sweat this week so it's really great just uh, <laughs> nice. sweat that bad shit out of you right yep.
0: I don't know what the temperature is like out here tonight in North Carolina but I have the bay doors open and I normally it have open Yeah yeah Yeah. sticky here that's what it is it's sticky it's sticky it it feels like it feels like a summer night actually here which is very unusual for december uh we had rain today and it's just kind of this lingering humidity that we've had as well uh, i just got i just got hot
2: summer nights in my head thanks for thanks for that visual like (laughs) hot
3: summer nights
0: (laughs) no there you go Now, everyone I've been talking to who's somehow associated with the cigar industry, it seems like every other every day I'm seeing someone call it. Is this something that's in the inner circles of the industry? Is this just Florida exploding all over the place right now with people getting this?
2: No, what you don't know is when we're not doing podcasts and we're not actually like doing events around the country or or, you know, in in meetings or on vacation, we're actually together in this little bubble (laughs) And that's where we live. And then every once in a while, we let someone out of the bubble to go to go work here and there. Like Juan Lopez seems to get out of the bubble a lot. Yeah. Um, I think it was myself and a few other people. We stayed in the bubble too much this year. And I think that's why we got exposed to COVID.
0: Well, yeah, we were talking a little about the show before the show. And I was telling what my wife was telling me, because I was one of these guys in a bubble. And another thing she said to me is, you're going to be in this bubble way too much where you're going to make yourself susceptible because you're not going to be used to being out of the bubble.
2: Yeah.
0: But, yeah, uh, I, it, yeah.
2: There's truth to that. There is truth. There to is truth.
0: Yeah. But I, I did cancel a trip to Miami, uh, next week and I am still planning on going to pro cigar in the great smoke. So I have not canceled that. and I really don't want to cancel that. So.
2: Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, um, I was supposed to be at that same gathering that you were going to be at.
0: Uh-huh.
2: Um, but it ended up being a conflict for me. Uh, time Timeline, because if everything goes right with uh, you know this shit, uh, I'll be in Nicaragua on that weekend. So very happy to be going back. There's a lot of big changes down in, in uh, Esteli at the factory and on the farms and the pre-industria. And I'm not going to let any secrets out of the bag, but I will tell you there's a big change
0: coming next year. Change of what? Can you, I mean, can you be your, I'm
2: just going to say, this is a, a oh, cigar I your industry teaser. change, company Your tees your your tea, your are free. <laughs> okay. 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 So I, I'm going to in. You already put it, it out not, there. I'm going to hey, stop. Will, I'm going to step back and, and not go with the teaser. Okay. When he's a, when he's a half bottle in, later in the well, show. That's, right. again. <laughs> that's what we have to do. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, Aaron, I made the point of not bringing the bottle out with me. I'm going to uh, slow yeah. sip this glass. Uh, okay. Coop, uh, commercial breaks every 15 minutes. He'll go back. <laughs> <get> okay. <those> <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, there, there's something, some exciting news uh, coming, um, but it's not my place to say it. Okay,
0: so. I, I have been told about some announcement coming, and I'm not going to say what it is in mid, mid-January. That's unrelated to Nicaragua, as far as I know, but we'll see. I think January is going to be an interesting month. No one's talking, by the way, so it's funny. I guess You kind of ask following no one's talking. But as far as Nicaragua goes, um, I guess I got a few questions there. How yeah. is... I've been here. Like I, I, was actually on a uh, yesterday. I was on a discussion on uh, Rein Reinhard Poherik, uh, Light of Oh Monster. yeah, yeah. And I guess there was a talk about like basically, it's getting hard to get factory workers down there. Is that is that very much the case? The little I know, obviously,
2: um, there are a lot of people leaving the country.
0: Yeah, because and that's, uh,
2: on their way up up here, um,
0: it's unfortunate. Wow. But, uh, you know, but things are going on, obviously, that's causing that. Yeah. But well, I, I mean, I, I think it's just, I think it
2: seemed to be, I mean, for lack of better words, it seemed to be the trend for a while. Everybody's like, there's opportunity somewhere else. And that's with every country, too. Yeah. Every people in every country were leaving to come up north. Um, and hopefully they come uh, for, for a better life. or. Sure. Sure, you that's
0: a, obviously that's that's a key thing as well. And as far as you traveling to Nicaragua, is it still a pain in the neck getting out of the country right now to come back home?
2: Yeah, there's still only one airline, Avianca. Uh, you still now you have to test uh, the day before you come back into the United States. You need a you need a negative test, um, and then of course you need to have your PCR test done. Here in Miami, a few days before the flight going down, which then in turn, you have to send to the embassy in Nicaragua uh, via Avianca, and they will approve the manifest for the plane and then send you an approval back. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, it's a a little bit of work. Thank God I I can lean on the the people from the My Father family uh, for a lot of things like that, Yeah, because the last time I went down, we didn't have to do that. I mean no. we had to get a we had to get a test uh, both to and from but it was uh, much easier we didn't really have to get an approval of the manifest on the plane so Right right
0: But you're still also doing a lot of production in Miami now too
2: Oh yeah yeah it's it's funny that you say that though is, like the joke has come up already not a joke but the uh, the idea has already come up of like what's going to happen on Monday when everybody's supposed to go back to work? Like how many people are going to be out still? Um, So that's, that's a fear, but yeah, we, we still make about 400,000 cigars in Miami. And that's, that's an important production for me um, because I love having stuff made in the United States. I mean, everybody knows that. Right. But um, can I make all that in Nicaragua? Yes. But, we prefer the history the miami factories become like almost like a museum for papine and i mm-hmm. that's kind of like the birthplace of both companies so um plus you're not gonna wake up one morning and get rid of you know 11 family members right right <laughs> that have been with us forever so yeah we have right. rollers that have
0: been working with us since uh 2003 so Wow. So, I mean, it's going right back to your your beginnings as well. I mean, when you were doing this. Oh, yeah. Well, I
2: mean, it's cool. Uh, Tantawai was the first production cigar that the Garcia's ever made, even before their own. That's right. Yep. So so in 2003, uh, when we started, uh, Jaime's wife was still rolling. Pepin was still rolling. And uh, one of the ladies that still rolls in the factory in Miami was rolling. They had a total of five people rolling
0: my first production. So it wasn't a big deal. Right. No, it's when I went to I've been to the I've been to the My Father Factory in Esteli. And, I, and yeah. the, in the rolling room, there's two tables at the front, one for Pippin and one for Jaime. Is there something yeah. like similar in Miami as well?
2: No, no. Pippin just kind of sits down at whatever table he wants to if he decides to roll. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously in Miami, everything's done by one person a very old Cuban style in Nicaragua. They do everything in pairs. That's one great thing about what I, the biggest reason why I want to go down in Nicaragua, not just because I have a lot of production to work on, but um, the, the factory got a whole new renovation and expansion while we were all out uh, for the last two years. Jaime has been playing mad scientist down with the, the buildings and he's built like an impressive facility. That i'm excited to see in person i've seen a lot of videos and pictures but that's it
0: oh wow so that, that's great uh, because i mean i, I was at that factory a few years ago it's probably about eight eight years ago i mean it was yeah you wouldn't even
2: recognize it
0: well i mean it was so clean you can eat off the floor in this factory it was like the cleanest factory i've ever been to and i've been to a lot of clean t- factories yeah
2: i'll tell you that uh anybody i tell people that have been down there with me in early 2020 uh, that they wouldn't even recognize it. Oh wow! So he's done a lot of work um, since you know before shut. Well, during since the March 14th when we came back, um, 2020, he's done a ton of work to renovate that whole that whole facility. It's really for them. It's really about making sure they had um, more buildings to uh, to do their processing. Also, because they have a lot of tobacco coming off the fields that they need to they needed to have room to process it so sure and it's all very well done and and it's got a good flow to it which Jaime was really good with in the beginning anyway so yeah
0: how how is the the crops been going it seems like this is what I'm noticing the last couple of years what I've seen coming in the Pepin releases uh my father and I it just seemed to there's been some really good tobacco coming in there the last couple of years. It seems like there's been a a nice upgrade. Would you say that that's the case? I I agree.
2: I I agree. I think it's not just uh, the farming aspect, but it's also the processing aspect. Uh I mean, they made a lot of changes um, in their processing over the last several years, which included like the big wheels for humidification, um, segregating the tobacco more uh, in different quadrants and rooms for you know these are pilons, these are these are uh burros you know so they have they have a lot of uh a lot of space now where they can really separate uh farms uh well they always had the the facility in in where they had all the farms separated by directional signs uh but now with all the new space they have it's even better it's just more controlled i think yeah and and honestly i'm i'm Super happy about that because uh, the product is speaking for itself.
0: Yeah. Do, do the Garcias keep all their tobacco for themselves? I mean, if you can't say it's fine. Do they keep all yeah, their yeah. tobacco for themselves, or do they did they broker it? No,
2: no, it's all for them. Um, okay. On some weird occasion, um, like in Miami, we had some Picadora, you know, tobacco laying around for a while before we started making Series Ps in Miami again, and Pepin would sell a couple bales here and there to a buddy of his that makes, uh, you know, mixed fill cigars like up in New Jersey area. And then, uh, that stopped. He might do it still every once in a while, but, uh, no, all the, all the, the, the raw material stays in house.
0: Nice. Nice. Which is good
2: because we all needed it this year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's true too. And it's like, that's, that's good. To, I mean, the here, I mean, it's, um, you know, I've seen. Um, I mean, there's other there's other farmers down there who keep all the tobacco for themselves, but there are people that you know they do brokerage, and I I didn't realize it. How I mean, but I definitely seems like I, I I really noticed a difference in a couple of releases, like uh, the last two by my father. It was obviously the Fonseca, which I really yeah. love the Cedros, and then the Garcia and Garcia and the Robusto. I, I saw, like, wow! I just th- thought this yeah, big it, transformation. It. Yeah, yeah. I think I think, it I think it's a,
2: really I think it's really the process, man, and it's yeah. really uh it's they finally you know it's it's a lot of growing pains even over the last 18 years you right. you still you still get growing pains as you start to you know bump up here and there right. and as they continued growing more and more tobacco and processing more and more tobacco there are always you know hiccups here and there that you don't foresee but uh i think i think they've done a really good job and and i uh, trust me i for me i've been smoking the product and going wow everything seems to be coming into its own like in a in the most perfect way right now for me like i have and i I would say that probably pretty much for everybody that's growing down there i think they're just taking care of their tobacco even more yep i know i've seen uh nick's uh success over the last couple of years uh he cultivates his own. Does he
0: keep all of his own tobacco or yeah he, he does. He's one Yeah, he's, see, that's one of the guys. Yeah. I and mean, that's, and smart. that's massive. And that's massive too. Yeah. It's smart. It is smart. I
2: mean, people are gonna want it eventually, but honestly, it's it's better to to kind of stockpile it when you when you know you're gonna need it eventually, just in case for a rainy day, right?
0: Yep. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. And and right now, I guess what I'm hearing is like it's hard to get tobacco on top of everything right now down in Nicaragua period
2: yeah so when you're growing most of it or you have long standing relationships like a good example when when we started buying habano from oliva no one was buying habano from oliva it was kind of like one of those cursed leaves for a while because of the whole habano 2000 curse they had back <laughs> back in the days so when we started using it the process of habano 2000 got better at the time and Pepin and Jaime were able to, you know, take that tobacco straight out of Pilon and start doing their own, you know, process to it to make sure that it burned properly, it smoked properly. So it's good to have great relationship with, with, with big companies like that that we can count on to get a lot of tobacco if we need things like wrapper. Um, the Garcias have been growing a lot of their own wrapper, but there's still things that we use outside the house which is, you know, Toronto, uh, San Andreas, um, Oliva for Sumatra and uh, Habano. And then we have uh, ASP for, for Connecticut. And then we have a, a solid farmer up in Connecticut, uh, USA that we get all of our broadly from. So um, we've been, we've been lucky. And yeah. uh, honestly, I think Jaime's timed a lot of, uh, a lot of things properly to make sure that we're, we always have tobacco on hand to make more cigars if we need be.
0: Right. Right. How real is the broadleaf shortage? I mean, I assume you guys have reserves, but how real, I mean, I heard Saka talking about it uh, yesterday that I guess Um, the the 2021 crop wasn't good.
2: Well, some parts of the the crop weren't great. That's what I, I know of, but uh, I think Jaime was able to get four containers of broadleaf. So that's uh, a lot of broadleaf. (laughs) I can't tell you in pounds, but it's, it's a, it's a ton. (laughs) Right. Um, And I know that he, he physically got on planes to go up to inspect uh, what he was purchasing and he was really happy with it. So we know that uh, we have a, a strong inventory going into potentially a heavy year.
0: Sure. Yeah. And, And obviously, Broadleaf is a big part of your portfolio. So you you feel you're okay as far as you're going to be able to meet your production, at least. Yeah, I mean,
2: I'll I'll be honest. I just, uh, I have a, a container leaving, actually, it left Nicaragua today. And half the container is full of Broadleaf product. Oh, wow. So they've been, Jaime's been building inventory on the Broadleaf for a while. And then on top of it, getting a lot more of this last year's crop. So we seem
0: to be, we seem to be in a good spot. That's good. That's good to hear on that. Um, where is most of the broadleaf production happening right now? It, it, for you? It, it, what do you it, mean? Like where are you like rolling the broad uh, Broadleaf Nicaragua? all Nicaragua, yeah. yeah so it's still all Nicaragua, Nicaragua. So it's not you know how many uh, you're not rolling that up here then?
2: No, the only thing we do here is Havana, Ecuador and Corojo. Okay. Um Yeah, we don't. I have some I have some tobacco up here of uh, Connecticut, Ecuador that I'm potentially using on a small project, but it's been pushed to the side for a while. So I'm just kind of figuring out when I could kind of free up a roller to do it. That's the problem right now is that freeing up a roller to even do any side project in Miami is impossible. Sure. So,
0: but, but all your pre-industry for all your tobacco used in Miami, that still happens in Nicaragua and then it's it shipped up to Miami right
2: yeah and it's it's all it's all we 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 freeze everything too before it even comes up here even the raw material right uh and i'll tell you that's become a huge sigh relief for us because there was a a brief period i want to say maybe five or six years ago we ran into some bug issues with uh with containers getting stuck in the middle of the ocean actually it was longer than that now um and since Jaime started freezing which was i think about 6 years ago we haven't seen one issue so every even the raw material that we use in the Miami production is frozen before it heads up north also which is nice because um, you have that peace of mind because that was the one thing we don't have a freezing facility here in Miami for finished cigars
3: mm-hmm.
2: but we know that the, the material was already you know frozen before it came up here right right
0: makes sense so 2000, um, let's talk 2021, uh, very active year for you. Um, you were one of the, I mean, as far as releases go, you guys had one of the bigger numbers actually. When I was looking at the trade show. (laughs) It was a little too big actually. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, you know, if anyone's saying what's Pete been doing, you haven't been paying because there is quite a bit. Um, I guess let's start off with Cajonio. Uh, I was thrilled to see Cajonio come back. It was nine years, uh, since the last, I think, U.S. Kohonu.
2: yeah, well, yeah, but because we had the uh, 2012s, and yep. then uh, we skipped over, obviously, um, you know, 15 and 18, and then 2021 was kind of like that reintroduction of new as right. a line. But we did that, you know, that 2021 is a big cigar. It's a seven by 58, yeah, in a Bellicoso. and the reason why we did it in the Bellicoso. Was because we wanted it to be comfortable in yeah. on the pallet. Yeah. Um, we have a sixty ring gauge in Miami. We make the six, you know, six and a half by sixty Grand Cohanu. This was a way for us to bring out something that kind of mimicked it out of Nicaragua. That kind of could have alleviate the the stress level of the Grand Cohanu backorder situation. Sure. Um, and it did help. It helped a lot. Um, that was a big release for us. And we we're already on our, our second big order of it. Um, a third order is actually in place. Um, so we're, we're moving product pretty quick on, on that size. And it's been helping with the Grand Coho New, uh, lack of production issue. So the, the fun part about Coho New though, is that uh, we're actually going to go back in time and bring back, uh, 2015 and 2018. Wow, Interesting. Right. Interesting. Yeah. So, Okay. Yeah. Well, I decided that it was one of those dreams that I had in the middle of the night, you know, woke up and said, it's time to bring back the, the years I skipped <laughs> <laughs> because the New brand itself has become a brand for me. And I want to keep that, that name alive. And it's nice to walk into a store and see multiples on the shelf next to each other. Yeah. Cause it does step up from the regular Brown label, which is, you know, more of a traditional Seiko Visa Lajero blend. This is that, that, you know, kick up, not as uh, strong as Fausto, but uh, it's got a lot of meat and potatoes and it's very well balanced. So, and these two new sizes are perfect fits for the whole lineup, which is yep. good.
0: And, you know, as far as like, the f- one thing I do like is because I am a bigger ring gauge. I do like a bigger ring gauge, but I do really appreciate it, like in a Bella Cosa, where if you don't want to have that 58 to 60, you know, you get some of that tapering. And I think it makes a difference there w- with that. And I think that's a I like that t- you made with that.
2: I've smoked more of the uh, 21s than I've smoked Grand Colons.
0: Really? Just because I've yeah. already
2: in all that time. Yeah, because because they're they're much easier to, to, to handle. I think I've also smoked more of the the series A that we do in uh, in Miami because it's a five by sixty, right? And the weight. We talk about the weight of the cigar. Yeah, it's not as heavy of a cigar as a six and a half by sixty, so it's it's really easy to pop. Yeah, without feeling you're overwhelmed by the size.
0: Right. That right. sounded
2: weird, but okay. Like Next it. subject. I, <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: I mean, Grand Cajonio... I mean it's been i want to say grant county's up about 13 14 years now um and it's still, uh let's I, see 2000 2004 oh it's that so, long it's that long okay yeah. i didn't remember, so yeah you' you're 18 years next year uh we're eight yeah for that yeah
2: because we're in our 19th year uh starting you know mid or not mid but uh the, the spring of uh 2022 will be our 19th year so Mostly, what this trip to Nicaragua is doing is to prepare for 2023 because 2022 is already pretty much done as far as all the production uh, timelines and everything for for products.
0: So yeah. that's really what
2: this trip is all about.
0: Nice, nice. Just on the Grand Canyon, I want to ask: Is there? Did you do another one for Europe? I'm thinking. I did. Yeah, I, I thought did. there was one for Europe. Yeah. We we did a
2: broadleaf version. We had to uh, stop production on it. I was I was very lucky being on the inside of uh-huh. the factory so much. I saw the potential of a shortage of broadleaf years ago when we had a shortage years ago. Like everybody ran through this shortage and everybody started switching to, you know, Sumatra and San Andreas. You know, and they started doing other things. I saw that early on. So I was able to shift production. And that's where... I started utilizing other wrappers for like the TAAs. And then when we started seeing Broadleaf come back, that's when I started going full force with it again. But I've been, I've been cautious with it also.
0: No, that's, that's good. That's good to hear.
2: Like the first big real Broadleaf uh, release uh, this year for me is uh, coming literally on that container, which is the Cohete Broadleaf. Oh, nice. And then and then, of course, the La Riqueza that we showed off at the trade show in Vegas, that's going to be uh, sometime around March, I guess, mm-hmm. maybe early. I was I was actually a little surprised to, to, to know that the container was showing up this
0: quick. I could have probably
2: pushed it a couple more
0: weeks. Yeah, but I remember you telling Bear at the show it, this was going to be probably, you know, first quarter. I mean, later first quarter, not early first quarter. So, uh, uh, for the yeah, for the Lara
2: Casa it's going to be um it's going to be late first quarter. Okay. Most likely. Okay. So, you never know though. I mean, yeah. I'll find so out I'll find out more when we open up on Monday, so.
0: <laughs> so, Lara Casa hasn't really gone away, but you haven't really I would say emphasized it, right? Is this going to be kind of maybe another push with Lara Casa we're going to see this year?
2: Yeah, uh but th- people can't expect this to be the ultra traditional Larriquesa either. This is a kind of a, a new expression of La Mm-hmm.
3: And
2: uh, it's like, it's not the exact Larriquesa blend that we used to make. It's actually an amped up version of it. Uh huh. I I just smoked um, some of the, the actual Larriquesa versions that I, I kind of made multiple prototypes of this cigar and, you know, right out the gate, you're like, Oh yeah, let's go with the amped up version, which we're very happy about. Um, But when I'm smoking these prototypes that were like the normal La Riqueza blend now, I was like, wow, those are, those are actually really good. (laughs) right? Because they have all the flavor and all the nuances that La Riqueza, you know, was known for uh, without being heavier. And I would say that this new version is just a, you know, it's a heavier Lowry Kayser.
0: Right. So, in terms of it, I remember you were calling it the SE, and it was, I yes. want to say it was, was it like, um, was, I think the measurements were heavier, five and five eighths by 54. Is that yep. around? Like? So, is that, uh, I mean, so the, like, say, legacy Larry Kayser, is that going anywhere? Is that, is this just something you're going to add on to it?
2: No, this will be, this will be a special run. Um, the other legacy La Riqueza stuff, uh, I'll probably release the cabinets first before we do, um, anything else. I, I, I was really in love with the cabinet versions of La Riqueza. That was my thing. I, I... Uh, as much as I love the box press because they were the first versions we did
3: mm-hmm.
2: they were, when they started going in, when I started doing the cabinet rounds, I really fell in love with the style of the cigars and, uh, there's one size that I'm going to utilize a lot more moving forward, uh, which is the, uh, the Britannica
0: size. The Perfecto. See, it's a, yeah. 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 You're going to start
2: seeing that in a lot more of the lines that we do. Cause I, I absolutely love the size, love the shape. I just have to get uh, more molds for the factory because uh, we're running on a, a small amount of molds for, for big productions right now. So. Yeah, like we one. have a Cab One in that that mold uh, coming up,
0: which oh, I'm wow. excited it, about wow. too. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So this is the, uh, that's the size. If I, that's the size used on the Bella Ancre Reserver, right? Yeah, yeah. The Belong, cool. the, the, the
2: extra. Yeah. That we did for the PCA. Yep. Um. Yeah, you'll see it in Cab One. Uh, I would love to put it in a cabinet for La Riqueza. Yeah. Um there might be well I I won't say yet. <laughs> yeah. Next year, I'll just say that next year is the the uh 10-year anniversary for both surrogates and atelier. So I was gonna ask you that, yeah. <laughs> we're gonna be doing some uh celebration size for both for both lines, which we're we're all excited about.
0: That's, that's great. Yeah. It's hard to believe that that's 10 years when, when you look back at that too.
2: I know. Right. Yeah. It's, kind of, it's kind of crazy actually. Yeah. Um, I mean, surrogates technically is a little older because I made it originally for Dan slightly before that. Yeah. But as a full release, you know, national brand it's a, uh, it, it turns a uh, 10. And honestly, I'll tell you 2021 for both surrogates and atelier was a, a huge
0: year. It seemed like it kind of got a little bit of a charge this last year. Uh, so I saw, I, mean, I know Aaron Nielsen was talking about a lot of here and he's smoking them. So
2: Yeah, we were all really happy to see, you know, we look at, we don't really look at the numbers so much as we're going along. We, we know we need to order more product and we, we have product in the queue yeah. for coming up constantly. Yeah. But when you look at the actual box counts at the end of the year, you're like, wow, that's uh that's starting to become a real thing, you know, now. And then I was really thrilled to see the, the, uh, selection of specials do so, so well. And, and the amount of reorders that we got on selection specials and that just came out at the trade show. So. Right.
0: Right. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I mean, and that's been around a while too. I mean, that came out the second year, I believe when you guys were around. So, I mean, that's, yeah, but it
2: was the new, the new sizes The new sizes. Right. We, I don't know if you noticed, but we trimmed down Atelier considerably and to be more concentrated on four sizes, uh, the three, you know, 52, 54, 56, and then obviously uh, the Corona Gorda size that we do a lot of times for small batches or small runs yep. for, like, Atelier right now. So yeah.
0: Any I'll water- tell you, the focus, the focus actually helped a lot. Uh,
2: yeah. Broadleaf Atelier. Yes, we had one and people miss it. Um, I know. I
0: know. Yeah, I get asked about that from a lot of people too.
2: There, there is a potential. Um, okay. That's one of the projects we'll be
0: playing with from right. while we're down there. You, you think it's just one of those things. Was, was it, was it because of tobacco availability that that kind of went away? Cause it seemed like it was always yeah. a popular cigar. Yeah. No. Yeah. That was one of, I mean, I would say maybe the sales of that,
2: that cigar were kind of lackluster. But really, the big reason why we moved out of a lot of broadly product was because of the shortage that we had about four or five years ago, where I saw that shortage coming through, and I was like, "Okay, we need to we need to dump some things for a while." That's why La Riqueza went away. Um, That's why La Casita went away completely, and I Mm -hmm. I won't bring back La Casita. Uh, for full production in the form that it's in, because it's really kind of a a hard one to put together because it utilizes a lot of broadleaf, obviously.
0: Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, because you know that uh, that was with all respect to J.C. Newman. That was the American Puro that I first was exposed to, and that was ten years ago. I know that was ten years ago. Yeah, year. shit. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, I, I I just re- I just remember. <laughs> It's a stupid reason why I remember, but I had picked those up at Draper's and I actually was in that earthquake that hit DC. <laughs> so, oh, I was, shit. I, so I remember this very, very well. Yes. Uh, and I was in of all places when the earthquake happened. I was in a chemical plant, which was like it was real serious. Like they had, it was, it was like, and you felt this. It wasn't like I, like I turned to a guy and I said, "Hey, is that an earthquake? I'd never been one. Is that, is that we just felt an earthquake?" He's like, and the guy was from Colorado. He's like, "Oh yeah," he goes, "That was an earthquake." So we really felt it. So I, I remember that was ten years ago this year. So it's kind of why I remember that. That's I had that was that, that was
2: just that was just the uh, the. Um... Soil shifting outside of the chemical plant from all yeah.
0: the spillage. <laughs> yeah. It was like, they're like, no, you just can't leave. They would explain. They had to, they had a, we had to go through a whole safety procedure to get out of there. I remember it was because they were really worried if something slipped or whatever. Yeah. Um,
2: that's pretty crazy actually.
0: Yeah. 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 And it was an IT meeting I was in. So it wasn't like, but it just so happened. There's so much of this stuff all over the, like surrounding the conference rooms and stuff. Yeah. It was like, they had to really make sure everyone was carefully removed because think and move they were telling me so yeah it was, uh, well you i
2: told you i think i've told you the concept of why i did the the la casita the way with 100 percent broadleaf the whole thing and i had a, a conversation um with topper about this and he kind of laughed and said uh yeah those cigars weren't all broadleaf because <laughs> on the old boxes of when we would see like cigars that we thought were hundred percent broadly, they just said hundred percent, you know, uh, I think it was a hundred percent Connecticut River Valley tobacco or something like that. But it was, it wasn't the whole cigar. They were talking about, they were basically guaranteeing the wrapper. <laughs> something like that. And I was like, dude, I had this false premise of how this cigar was this whole time. <laughs> And I came up with an all broadleaf cigar to pay homage to that and it wasn't even a real thing.
0: So you muted coop. Coop's muted. Oh, sorry. I think I asked you this before, but La was an offshoot of that, right? Like when you guys worked on mm. Ladueña, it was kind of an offshoot. La the, the La was more of an offshoot of uh, La Riqueza. Okay. But there was broadleaf and there was a lot of broadleaf in, in that in that Laduena. That's why yeah, I I
2: because because I was playing with a lot of broadleaf, I decided to take La Riqueza and do a hybrid between La Casita and okay. La Duenia. I mean, uh, La Riqueza to make La Duenia for for Yanni. Right. I was trying to uh, give give La Riqueza a different expression just for her because people would ask her all the time. I was like, what's your favorite cigar? And she would say to a her
0: kids, I was like, you need your own cigar. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. That's cool on that. Um, yeah. So the other thing that I guess uh, I, it was actually exciting for me because I had never smoked the original, uh, the T110s. Uh, yeah. So um, that that's the prototype, I guess, for Fausto. That was the prototype for Fausto.
2: Yeah. Fausto is like a play on T110. It's, right. it's not. 100%, T, you know, it's not 100% T110, but it was, it was the lead-in for Fausto. Okay, um, And yeah, when we came out with Fausto originally, we, we did a whole launch of a certain size just for Hawaii on a special release. And then from there, we, we did the whole lineup. I'll tell you that. That's another brand for, for us that has really just started to shine in the last two years was Fausto. Yep. I don't know if it's because of the ratings or it's just people like, you know, strong cigars. But uh, I think it's strong with a good balance to it.
0: One thing, you, the old man in the sea that came out with that, and Seth actually, Aaron, pointed this out to me. Um What was so cool about that was the Calabra was actually wet packed, and the Lancero well, wasn't. No, yeah, but the Calabra
2: technically not wet packed we just utilize that that foil so it paper wasn't wet packed uh, okay no no because you, the reality it was with culevers you have to you have to twist them wet and you want them to dry up a little bit okay <laughs> the tricky part about wet packing uh which is depends on how quick you do it like when i did the the k222 the first release we had those cigars inside the boxes, inside the bundles within seven days. So the moisture content was super heavy still. And when you start pulling out those cigars now out of those boxes, there's like this, just like this almost chalky powder all over the cigars. And it, it, it's wild because it's just the way that the, the, uh, the crystals on the wrapper just kind of crystallized and uh-huh. kind of left this chalky powder to it, not mold. Um, it's, <laughs> you can, you can tell the difference obviously there's no spurs. It's just got this weird, like chalky character look to it. And, uh, it's funny. I opened up a box recently and I, uh, noticed the chalky character and this was from the first batch. Notice a chalky character, and then I went back into the bundle like a couple days later, and all that
0: dusting was gone completely. Wow. It was like it just wait, it was waiting to breathe. <laughs> yeah, to but uh, but no, it was good to see like uh, Fausto get some attention, um, you know, with not attention, but something you know, new with the with the old man to see with that. That was a that was a pretty uh, cool release. Uh, this year, yeah, I think it,
2: a lot of people have been asking me to do the Lancero
0: as a full, uh
2: line release instead of having it as a limited thing because it's only in the uh the, the lancero sampler and then obviously the the old man in the sea so
0: yeah that's that's good but as far as the t110s go um are they were yeah. they one and dones is this a one and done project is it something that may just come back periodically
2: yeah it's going to be coming back periodically uh this year uh, we're doing a release uh, with San Andreas T110s.
0: Uh, you guys, that was my next um, question on that. <laughs>
2: but uh, that's the only T110 coming up this year. Um, saving maybe a potential other one for 2023, but um, for 2022, that that's going to be somewhere around April, along with a few other San Andreas products that are regular production products that that might be getting a a makeover just for a limited release.
0: Got it. Got it. Um, what's been like your feedback on the three T one tens. My personal one is I still think the original was the best of the three, the Habano. I could see it. That was kind of like the one I would say was my favorite.
2: I've I've gotten a lot of feedback on all of them. And I think every week it changes (laughs) because, um, People have like an opinion on one one week, and then they'll go back and smoke through the set of, of them again and go, wow, the Sumatras are really popping right now. But, you know, it's it's been really all over the place. It jumps around a lot because I, I hear from the same guys constantly.
0: Yeah. No, it's funny because just on some of the Coop team guys, we've all had a different view of which one was the favorite. So it's, it's kind of matching that. So yeah, uh, I think the gonna... the favorite thing about the Havana
2: one for me was was coming super close to what I thought the original was. It was
0: strong, it was a strong yeah. cigar. There's no doubt. Uh, it was stronger than Fausto in my book. Um, for that was thought was the strongest of the three for sure. I think that
2: that priming of that wrapper particularly showed off the, the uh the fillers and the binders more than say Fausto, which gets muted down by that that heavier darker wrapper right which sometimes maybe gives you that chocolate notes that you're that will you know mellow something out a little bit right right
0: no that, that, that's cool to hear um so turning our attention actually i'm just i haven't mentioned this i've been smoking through a wolfman <laughs> from 2010 and yeah you're pounding through that thing it, it's yeah it's a little um it's a little old i'll say it but it's not dry. I, knew it was dry I was worried it was a little dry about smoking but it is pete this thing 10 years later is incredible this has been one of my favorite of the monsters uh i mean this is the one that i got my first monster box with and uh this was my last one of the originals so uh, yeah, we uh
2: we were down in nicaragua in you know obviously in um february and march of 2020 before this you know whole world turned upside down and uh I actually had some old wolf men still in the, uh, the aging room. Wow. And I pulled out as many of them as we could, we could yeah. get because, yeah. uh, I think there was like maybe 70 cigars, but I think only like 50 of them were worthwhile yeah. because yeah. the, the feet were yeah. like the shag was almost completely gone and yeah. stuff
0: like that. No, that's true. It, yeah. Yeah. I had a little, like I said, it was a little dry around the shag, but, um, it was, like I said, it's smoking fine. So, um, and I remember I, I bought these up at Kirk Kendall's actually like 10, so was a great, wild. great retailer. Great. Store yeah, actually. yeah. 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 So, uh, um, so, all right. So I know you did the show with Ben and bear a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I had, so I, I had to pick a bone with those guys. Okay. Cause so little background. Uh, when they were doing the monster med Ben didn't notice, but bear did. So, I but but I I kid bear, I love him, right? So, bear and I had actually done a show where we went through the whole monster series about like four years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, and in that show, there was we we kind of just said, Hey, which monster would you like to see next, like a new monster? And I said, Creature from the Black Lagoon, he didn't remember that. (laughs) So, so I, I I kidded him about it. He felt bad. I said, no, I'm just kidding, Barry. But I did. I did. That was the one I was hoping for. And hey, I got a little bit of a wish with the monster match. I haven't smoked it yet, but I do have it. So uh, so yeah, that's uh, a
2: that's a powerhouse. And uh, that that has Corojo Maduro on it. Really? Yeah. So high prime and Corojo 99. Um, I was really happy with that one because I wanted yeah. it to be kind of like this mystery, first of all, but I wanted it to be kind of gnarly. Yeah. Um, I thought it turned out really well. No, it, uh, the last time I smoked one, it actually put me under the table. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's just something about the balance of it. It's like it, it speaks really kind of like, you know, over the top. <laughs> right. Have you worked with Corojo Maduro before? Yeah. Uh, early on, that. actually. Okay. In the early days. And then we had an issue with the, the supplier, obviously, back then. And the, the burn rate of that wrapper uh, was horrible. So we, we shifted uh, out of that Corojo to Habano for many years. Right. And we didn't start experimenting with dark Corojo uh, until um, the Garcia started growing it again. Okay. Or growing it for the first time.
0: Okay. Yeah. yeah because just trying, back I then remember, they didn't grow anything. I remember those old blends had the Nicaraguan Corojo on it. And then you went to Habano. I do remember that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, it's funny because we shifted from, you know, one supplier for, for Nicaraguan corojo, and then we found another supplier that had a thing called dark corojo, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
3: which
2: uh, which was actually really good. But we we found that we couldn't get enough of it. Right. So that's when we we shifted gears quickly to uh, habano Ecuador, and uh, that was the one thing I made sure I was pretty open with. I wanted to make sure people knew that that uh, the you know the wrappers were changing. Um, and I think because of that, people stuck with the brand because, you know, a lot of times when you just do a bait and switch and you don't tell anything about where the wrapper's going, people get kind of like, I don't know, irritated by that. And I, I would too, as a consumer, I, I would get frustrated if someone changed something on it and sure. didn't tell me. Right.
0: Right. No, I, I remember you were pretty open about that when, when, when that all was, and that was when I was first really starting to get into what I was doing too. So I, I do remember that. Um, so Frank returns, right? Um, so is Drac next? Yeah, okay.
2: Yeah.'ll um, you'll, you'll see a minor change in Drac. Um, okay. Not so much on the blend, but uh, just on the presentation, obviously. Okay. And I won't be doing um, what I did with the Frank box um, the it might have that same twist of two sides, but, uh, it won't, it, someone actually started painting pictures of what they thought every year would, look would be like. moving forward. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's not that a hundred percent the case, but we're going to go back to some real simple artwork. Um, instead of doing the, you know, the extra fancy stuff on the box. Right. Right. For yeah. me, it's about what's inside the, inside the box. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I think I, I, that's always like I've never minded the plane boxes over the years. In fact, I'll be honest. I think it was easier to get monsters than it's been to get Karloff's and Frank's the last couple of years. It, it's been that's it's been tougher, I think.
2: Yeah, I mean, the production on honestly, the production on Karloff was not big. Um, it was Frank Frank was uh, much bigger. And I'm uh, <clears throat> sorry, yeah, I got a little smoke down my throat. And no, that's not the COVID talking. <laughs> Um yeah, I, I, I think I think because of the whole um two-sides thing and everything was the dress box, people started holding on to them more. Yeah. Because before you'd go in, and like, give me a, a dress box and a plane box, and then someone would smoke the plane box, and then they wouldn't go back and get another plane box. But if they saw another dress box, they would buy it. Right. So I saw people buying. Nine, ten boxes of each one of them. I was just like, you guys are crazy, but thank you.
0: <laughs> right. Right. No, it, you know, um, one box, I just fell in love with was the bride. I love that cigar on top of it, which made it. that's the one dress box I have in my, uh, my kind of collection upstairs. Uh, I yeah, that I, was all, that was I all the concept.
2: That. that was all the concept from Andy over at, uh, LA blue at, or at Reims. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually, uh, like I had nothing to do with it. I mean, I mean, obviously I told him what I wanted, but he's like, "I got an idea for you. How about doing a silhouette?" I go, "Well, I can try to see if the factory will do it for me, but uh, design me the artwork and I'll, I'll play with it." And he sent me the artwork, and I took it to the box maker in house at at the Garcia's factory, and he looked at me. He goes, "Yeah, I can do that." I was like, really? <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> Sometimes you get surprised because you don't want to throw that, that big monkey wrench right, in there. Right. And when they say, yeah, I can do that, I'm like, right. awesome. Okay, cool. Let's move forward
0: then. <laughs> right. I, I guess so, so. Is the plan to go through all the monsters again, like for full monster release? Is that? Yeah. Okay. That's so- the
2: plan. Uh, obviously, um, I'll play with. A couple blends that that I would think that probably need like a little bit more help than others. I think some some like people are waiting for again,
3: mm-hmm.
2: but like I would say Jekyll and Hyde it would be nice to see a, two different versions of those, right, and not to expect the original on Jekyll and Hyde, but the, we is- have a long ways to go on those ones, so
0: right, right, you have about six years for those six to seven years so um, yeah, I mean like. <laughs> Drac, well, everything's going to have a little twist to it just
2: to make the cigar be slightly visually different. That way there's no confusion on trades and original because there's always some guy, let's let's be honest, there's always some asshole that's going to take a new one and say that it's the old one. Yeah, right. So my job is to make sure that people have value in both of them.
0: Makes sense, and yeah. and someone
2: doesn't get cheated for you know a counterfeit Beanie Baby. I just watched the Beanie Baby you know, right. documentary today, so <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's what? in my head. Oh yeah, there's a Beanie Baby documentary. It's actually uh, HBO Max. It's is it HBO Max? It might be. I have to check HBO Max. Yeah, I think it is, and uh, yeah, it's a, you know silly, but uh, I. When when you find out that they were doing billions in sales, you you kind of like, man, maybe I should create like a you know a stuffed animal or something <laughs> instead of make a cigar.
0: Yeah. No, no, don't do that.
2: So I have a question: Will will creature get its own
1: release, or will that kind of be tacked on to the end of the re-releases of the originals?
2: I, I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure, Aaron. Uh, honestly. If I if I do it, uh, I would probably want to bring out that size in a standalone right. release um, sometime down the road. But um, the question is whether or not I'm going to bring out a creature in the full size. Which there's plans, but I have to start, you know, working on the mold and also the, you know, to make sure the blend carries over. Right, right.
0: because it's it's, tr- it's
2: rare that I go backwards. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, Chuck and Tiff, we went backwards, though. Right, right. Like, with with the creature, that's using that Britannica size.
2: Yeah. 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 So so you need
0: a a mold for that, yeah.
2: I would need more molds uh, for the regular production of the Britannica size, but then going into a larger Britannica size, which... There's some molds out there that are very similar, but I would want to make sure we just kind of take the Britannica mold and, and blow it up like a you know a beetle <laughs> right yeah a volkswagen beetle that looked like a. you ever notice the differences between a volkswagen beetle an audi tt and a and a porsche they <laughs> right. all look like different iterations
0: of how much you blew them up yep <laughs> or how much you smushed them <laughs> right so right right that no, makes sense you know all right so i'll ask this question um yeah we had a show a few weeks ago uh, with the uh, Provada, Brian, Pravata, mm-hmm. and I was pretty vocal on the whole parody and using markers and trademarks. Right. And I believe it came up in this interview that, well, isn't monsters that and I'm curious how you would respond to that, that crit- if, if that is a valid criticism, hey, are you doing the same thing with monsters as maybe yeah. some of the other guys are?
2: I would say I would say I try to lean on the side of caution you know err on the side of caution with with all that because right. the, the word monster that's another issue because I've been dealing with fighting monster energy for years because they think that that they own the word monster and everything which they don't right um, but uh, say so they, they started with like this whole thing of trademark and then they realized that it had they had no trademark suit but then they started going after trade dress because they think they own the color green, yeah. ah. which trade dress is completely different than trademark. Um, so calling something a monster, like I don't, I think that the only time that I really went super close to doing anything would be the Frank by putting a portion of his face on a box. And I might come to regret it down the road someday. Um, but I'm going to err back on the side of caution where I used to do everything where it was very cryptic of, you know, an homage to the character, but not, but not the actual images of anything. Cause you know, in the old days it was just like something I did in illustrator where it was just like, you know, writing of the word Frank. And again, that's why I don't use the words Frankenstein or Dracula or you know, um, I mean, Jekyll and Hyde are a little different. You know, a lot of these things are old public domain, but uh, right. I don't think you know it's really. I'm I'm gonna steer away from the whole imagery as much as possible because I think that's really where it might get me into trouble. Right. So yeah, I I I've been really cautious with with trademarks over the years, only because. Early on, I, lear- I learned a lot of good lessons from people with trademarks. Um, for example, uh, Alan Rubin called me one day in the early days. I had a cigar called uh, Veracruz Number no. 1, and the secondary band said Lato Occidental hmm. uh, to, to basically designate where the cigar was going to, because I did the East Coast, West Coast, right? Yes. So I had Zona del Este and Lato Occidental. And I didn't really even think about it because, you know, Alan owns the name Occidental. Right. But I didn't even put that two and two together. So he called me and says, you know, I, I own the the name Occidental. I was like, Alan, I, I have no idea how to respond to this. I wasn't even cautious, you know, conscious of it because it's not even the name of the cigar. It's just the designation of where it's going to. Right. And we met up at the trade show and I, I sat down and I said, Alan, I'm, I'm changing the bands because uh, what you did, you actually did me a favor. Mm-hmm. Too many people were calling it Lotto Occidental and that's not the name of the cigar. Right. The, the It was supposed to be a regional thing, you know, like, oh, you know, USA, China, whatever. It was supposed to be East Coast, West Coast and people were calling it the Lotto Occidental cigar. I'm like, no, it's a Veriku number one you know, so I changed the band to West side and I always tell this story because I thank Alan for kind of waking me up more about trademarks back then because honestly, I've always been very careful with it, but, uh, it, it kind of like, you know, woke me up to be even more aware. So I don't step on anybody else's toes or another word, you know, but, um, I don't, I don't, I always try to stay in my own lane as much as possible. And do I have potential issues out there? I'm sure. Uh, But uh, I think you'll see more of a a cautious path from us moving forward for sure.
0: Right. But like in terms of the, like some of the monsters, like, you know, did anyone ever call you for maybe who did child's play? Give any pushback on something like that?
2: Um, No, I mean the Chuck and the Tiff. That's another reason why I always, take their names to a different a different format um it's really talking. about it's art inspiration instead of uh instead of just blatant like you know it's this name right again that's why we don't use frankenstein dracula um those names uh, i would be most fearful just because a company like universal is so massive that they could bury me right um, I'd hope they would be kind if they did. Right. Right. (laughs) Uh, but, uh, no, yeah, I think, yeah, there's always that, that question. I mean, but again, I'm not using, again, I did the one time that I did it would might be questionable would be the split face of, of Frank. Um, but, uh, I, uh, And I'm not sure if something will ever come up with that. And I hope not, but, uh, if so, I have to, you know, kind of eat crow for a little while. Right. But, um, with everything, I try to make sure that I, I don't step on anybody's on anybody's shit. I mean, that's the best way to, yeah. The best way to put it is like, you, you want to make sure you stay in your own lane and like, I'll be honest with what some things that, that, Tony and Robert Calvo were doing with lost and found. I was like, Whoa, those are like super, yeah, super like, you know, like, wow. I don't know if I would go that far, but I'm sure they, they never found any problems with them. Um, but I'm just maybe sometimes overly cautious. Um, and I, you know, in regards to, uh, you know, your show with Brian, I, I would question some of the stuff he did. I mean, I I got a, a cease and assist from Tops because I decided to put cards inside boxes that looked like, you know, um, garbage pail kids, not even knowing what garbage pail kids look like. To they be perfectly
0: honest, those were the little but, monsters, yeah.
2: But they yeah. were like, come to find out, after I started researching garbage pail kids, the the artist that did the the cards for me literally just just blatantly like copied the the style even the backs of the cards looked like garbage bail kids. I was like, ah, this sucks. And right. nice, luckily tops was nice enough to be, you know, okay. Yeah. Just don't do it. Send us a, a you know, a thousand bucks for our legal fees and uh, just make sure that anything you have is done by X date. Right. But by that time, I already removed half the cards out of the boxes anyway. So I, again, like I try to be completely on a, on a good path. Sometimes I might have a hiccup, uh, not maliciously though. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not malicious. Um, I would hate for any company outside the industry to come to me and say, you did this on purpose. Uh, we're going to bury you, that would (laughs) suck. Um, but you know, I don't know. Brian's a creative guy, man. Like the whole Pravada crew. Um, what he did with Pravada in in a few uh, in a few years is pretty impressive. Yeah. I met Brian when he was starting the company, and it really wasn't a platform that I was really into, so I never I never did business with him. But um, I think creatively, he's coming up with pretty impressive shit. But some things I go, Whoa, I don't know if I'd go that far. Right. And that's, you know, like I sent him a, a text message. I'm, I'm when people, I know people, especially like Brian, I've known him. So, and I have his number. So I text him. I'm like, Hey, be careful. I got a see some from tops on this. You might, you might want to kind of steer away from shit like this because sure. I'm, you know, I'm sure they're if they found out about my project before it was even released, Like, someone, somehow, Tops found out about the little monster cards before they were even on the street. So, how that happened, I don't know. But uh, I was able to to resolve it quickly without too much, you know, trouble, uh, thankfully. Um, But, uh, you know, like, uh, Brian uh, came out with a cigar. I can't remember what it was called. Uh, Something Bobby something Shabby bobby or something like that and it the packaging said uh, lca halloween exclusive and i, I texted brian and said hey can you do me a favor and, and don't call it a lca halloween exclusive because the trademark halloween follows under Tatuahe. and people might think that tatuaje made you a halloween exclusive Right. But, but change it just to say a Halloween holiday release because that changes everything right there. Right. The, the trademark is null and void. I just use the standalone word Halloween, right? Right. But as soon as you, you just word something a l- slightly different and you call it a Halloween holiday release or a Halloween season release, it doesn't it doesn't affect my trademark at all. Right. But in LCA Halloween exclusive, Halloween being the prominent word in between LCA exclusive, it looks like Halloween was made by Tattooie for LCA exclusive. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I was I was pretty pretty open with him about it. We we got into a a little bit of a pissing match about it because you know, I think we're both very passionate about what we do. Mm -hmm. And I was like, dude, I'm, I'm trying to avoid, you know, calling a lawyer because they're always a pain in the ass. Right. And they always never understand the dynamics of the cigar industry at all. Uh, I'll tell you that I love my lawyer, my trademark lawyer, but to try to explain what I do sometimes to them is, is kind of tough. I think the only one that, the only trademark lawyer I know that that really knows the industry would be Frank uh, Herrera. Yep. Yep. <laughs>
3: um,
2: but uh, it's just like, man, let's just do me a favor and don't call it that. It's real simple. Like just change it. So it doesn't say that. And we've had a couple other run-ins like that, like with all the marketing for his uh, cigar called the cookie ended up being called the cookie monster on everything, including his YouTube videos. I said, just get rid of the word monster. I mean, that's the one name that I, I'm very protective over, especially since I'm battling, you know, with so much money behind dealing with monster energy. Like that's a, that's a, that's a brand name for me. And I was like, just, just get rid of the word monster. I mean, I I know it's called the cookie, but everybody now is referring it to the cookie monster. And it doesn't matter what a consumer says, it will continue to be called a cookie monster. But I can't have you saying it on your video as the headline of the video saying the cookie monster being released. Right. So little things like that, because the the end of the day, trademarks are finicky, dude. Like I could lose monster in Halloween tomorrow. And no one would care. I mean, I'll be honest. No one would really care if I came out with the annual Halloween releases and had no, no trademarks of anything but a cigar in a box with a top a band in a coffin-shaped box and call it the F and call it the, the D. <laughs> you know, I I don't think anybody would really – they would know where the inspiration comes from right but i don't know again brian's uh i, I like brian he's, he's he's super creative but uh i think from what i saw on your show i thought i thought uh, some of the things he said about some other people were were kind of harsh and yeah. i wish he didn't i wish knowing him as a person in the in the intimate setting that we met in i would hope that uh that he would take that stuff back and go, you know, that was maybe a faux
0: pas on my part. Yeah. We and Aaron and, Aaron and I, I took a beating on that interview. I'll tell you that from people. I called him. Uh, like we, we
2: got into a, <laughs> we literally got into a phone argument while I was on a plane, which, which was completely comical. And I think I told him to fuck off a few times. Um, Cause that's as soon as someone like, you know, tests me and tells me that I did something to hurt their business. I'm going to tell them to fuck off because I know it's not true. I didn't do anything to hurt or, or do anything towards his business, which was really kind of hurtful coming from someone I knew, but I called him, like I said, dude, I hope we can talk more. And I literally called him like a couple of days later and we had a conversation. I mentioned the whole Alan Rubin situation to him. I said, just, there's a thing called USPTO. It's real simple to, to look up shit. Yeah. And personally, I would stay away from like branding of, you know, very popular, iconic brands. Like, I'm not going to do an IHOP cigar or, or, a, I, what did you do? The Cinnabon, right? It, yeah. Which yeah. I thought was nuts. I mean, it didn't say Cinnabon, but the, the image, that's where trade dress gets, comes in, Aaron. Yeah. That's trade dress because now you're you're talking about you using someone's branded Colors, image,
1: fonts, yeah, signage, all that thing. Yeah,
2: you can call it whatever you want, but it's still. But then again, he made a good point with all these Nikes that are coming out, and I don't know. Are they doing a deal with the Simpsons when they do a Nike Simpson? <laughs> like I have no idea. I would think they would. You, know, you would, you would think. Yeah, but but Nike's so powerful they'd be like, hey, sorry.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Since this has been around a long time. <laughs> yeah, you know, a lot of people have drawn the analogy to uh, what Weird Al Yankovic does in music. Um, yeah, and, and just you know, my, my dad knew Weird Al Yankovic very well, and and I remember he's had conversations, and I've heard these conversations. I've met Weird Al as well, and Weird Al was always saying look i go for permission on this stuff because i don't mess around with this um he, he goes straight is, for
2: a parody permission
0: he goes yeah. for parody permission and you know it was well documented he went to prince and prince turned him down and he didn't do it i mean it was very well done so he's always gone for the permission for these artists and he, he i remember he told me that technically he said i don't really have to but he goes i don't want to have to you know i want to kind of do the right thing here by these guys so, so that's, that's cool why, yeah that's why he did it so yeah um so, yeah, I mean, it's uh, I understand. You know, and Aaron, and I talked a lot about this. This isn't a Brian specific. Brian's not the only guy to do this. It, it, it's nah, you no, know, it's a, it's, it's a
2: whole industry. And, and honestly, I, I'll give you a good example. Yeah. Hemingway. Hemingway, which I think is, you know, it's a fucking great name. Great cigar, obviously. Uh-huh. The Fuentes have been doing it forever. Right. But I've seen people lose their store name Hemingway because not because of Fuente because of the Hemingway family Uh sued the store right because they thought it was promoting the culture that that was directly related to Ernest Hemingway i was like wow that's a stretch but you also don't want to get into a battle with a company or a family like the Hemingway family so I've always wondered you know I'm 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 sure like the reality is Fuente doesn't, they use a name. They don't use any imagery. They don't use anything other than a name. And it, it could mean every anything. Yeah. So it's, it's really none of my business, but I, I look at things like that and go, I wonder, because there's always, you know, someone out there, that might have a problem with something. When I saw a lawsuit against a store, I think in like South Carolina or something um, because they were using the, the name Hemingway's lounge or something, or Hemingway's getaway, the guy had to change it because uh, the Hemingway family and actually Pilar, Papa's Pilar room actually oh really, uh, was part of that lawsuit. I, uh, yeah, I, I, I think what Tony and and Robert were doing was super was super creative, but I wouldn't touch most of that stuff.
0: Yeah, not I with mean, a ten foot pole. <laughs> no, and here's the thing: and all these guys are very creative and can do something creative. Where I don't think they need like this. I said to Brian, but I'd say it to Tony and 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 Robert, I said you you don't need to do that because you guys are creative enough to do to do something uh, on your own. I I, I know that. I said the same thing to Eric from Dojo with the dojo chico i said the same thing to bradley rubin a, uh, a week ago i said yeah
2: the dojo chico thing was uh, a little too close for me also I,
0: and i i told bradley rubin the same thing uh as well as eric both of those guys are friends of mine but i said look i was disappointed i'm not gonna lie to you and here's the thing from my personal point of view i'm not gonna speak for aaron i won't put that stuff on my website because i don't want to get something six months later saying well we we had it we had a cease and desist and all, everything needs to come down I'm like well oh. so i just i don't yeah i
2: mean but that's that's nothing that that Anybody can control because,
0: but then it creates a situation if I don't want to take it down. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I make it easy. Yeah, when it's not going. I, th-
2: I think I think we're all super creative. I think right. we just like to have fun. That's the problem with with cigar makers. We look. We just we're a little bit rebellious and we like to have fun okay. with what we're making. Right. And the reality is, is that we probably don't need it. And when it comes to Tatuay, Tatuay was already an established brand before I started doing anything with monsters, and I didn't need to put a, a split face of Frank on on either side of the box. I, I really didn't need to. I don't know why I did it, other than it looked cool. <laughs> but I don't think I don't think that's what drove the sale of that cigar. I think the expectation of what the cigar was going to be. And thankfully the brand name behind it after 18 years, uh, drove people to want to buy it. I, the box just made it more fun. Sure. But yeah, it's, 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 it's a tough subject and it I is. agree. I think especially guys like Brian, uh, Robert and Tony and a lot of other, uh, the guys from Ezra Zion are very creative I mean, there's a lot of creative people that like to have to do fun things. And sometimes we just don't even think about, you know, the ramifications of it because we don't, I, I think we're all innocent in a lot of it where we, we go, oh, this would be kind of funny.
0: Yeah, no, I get that. I get that too.
2: But we end up, you know, with pie in our face later on, if someone calls us from a big company.
0: Sure. No, I get it. And I mean, and we've seen um, we've seen a lot about um, how can I put it? We, we've seen, you know, we've seen people they know like it's kind of something and Aaron pointed this out in the interview a lot. Like, look, he called it lazy marketing like this. You, you, and then they know it's going to be put out, but it will be gone by the time anyone's going to do anything about it.
2: Yeah, I guess it is kind of lazy marketing. Well, you know, the one thing that we like taught why we don't really market our limited edition stuff that much. We just, it kind of gets out there and it, it, it's really, you know, guerrilla marketing from the consumers. Right. Uh, we don't, and I, I don't think, I don't think guys like Tony or even Robert uh, market their stuff like that either. I think it just kind of goes out in the, 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 stratosphere and people, you know, the consumer base starts hitting it. Um, Jay Davis just asked me a question. If I had a problem with a French restaurant, for, for the Atelier thing, no, Jay. I actually uh, That's a I good took one. the trade. I took the trademark away from him. Oh, really? Yeah, because uh, Atelier is a very simple word. It means the workshop. What uh, a very famous chef named by the name of Joe Robichon, um, who I didn't even know had trademarked literally everything with. Atelier de de Joe Robichon, whatever. He, he trademarked it in every class of goods. So I was like, there's no way this guy's ever produced a cigar. I know he smokes cigars. So I did my research and we, we had some investigators uh, from the USPTO and our lawyers go in. And we found out that the guy never even produced a book of matches with the name on it. And, the trademark USPTO was forced to give us the trademark. Oh wow! Because we didn't call it Atelier Joe Robichon; it was Atelier.
0: Yeah. <laughs> right. Right makes sense. I, mean, I, I can see that. Makes sense. Yeah,
2: and then you know, th- then there's always the issue that we had with with Atelier, with La Mission, and we we used we used a wine as an inspiration but we didn't call the cigar atelier uh la mission oprion right but somehow right. but somehow i got a, a cease and assist from oprion because they thought that i was promoting that that i was making a cigar for them i'm like no like i just used that as a as a muse it wasn't even had nothing to do with it i actually had to i actually had to call a few people and a few websites that were big that they referenced and say, can you get rid of the wine references? Because that doesn't need to be there. First of all, because it's a cigar, right? We just use the, the wine culture as an inspiration, but because it said French chateaus and people's descriptions, people are like, they're like, Oh, you're directly referring to oprion I'm like, no, those are, those are clients of mine that put up their own verbiage. And they got the verbiage off of half wheel, so <laughs> like I'm like I can't I can't do anything about it. But uh, but you know I'll make sure we don't reference you know Robert Parker's ratings anymore. Or you know we <laughs> but we're not we're not referencing. I don't think, I don't think you ever men- I don't think you ever mentioned Robert Parker when you announced this. I mean well, we I had think- talked about we we talked about it as it was like what how can we figure out a right. way to name each cigar, and we decided to use the 100-point ratings from Robert right. Parker. Right. Um, it was a concept for us, it was an innocent concept. We didn't think that it was, like, going to, you know, send me a letter in French and English. It, <laughs> honestly, it was one of those crazy things. It was like I thought this was a pretty simple, basic, like, inspirational concept of, like, oh, everybody has a reason why they created something, right? And when, when you get letters like this and you go, huh, is that how they're looking at it? Then, then you want to, then you want to like go like, that's not how we're marketing it. And we want to make sure that, that we clear up the confusion as much as possible. This is not made for Oprione. This is not made for, you know, universal. This is not made for, you know, we, we want to make sure we clear up as much of that shit as possible because at the end of the day, we just want to make a cigar that people enjoy. That's true. I don't know. It's a tough, it's a, I mean, there's so many ideas out there, man. Like, I'll be honest. Like, I might've been the first guy that ever came up with the concept of meat in the cigar industry. You know, I had pork chop. I had pork tenderloin. Jose from Gloucester Street's wanted me to do a whole meat locker thing. Right. Like a meat locker and we we're going to distribute the cigars in styrofoam chests. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't really do that anymore because you know the Red Meat Lovers Club has a yeah. thing called the meat box. Right. And so that concept's done. But the reality, the idea was floating through the stratosphere. Right. Um we all want to come up with fun things. It's, uh, yeah, I agree, Aaron. It's kind of lazy marketing sometimes, because you should rely on your brand name alone. But we we have we try to make it fun for the for the other side too. Yeah, we just don't realize what trouble we're getting ourselves into <laughs> later on.
0: Right, right. It makes
2: sense on that, and that goes for any of us. I mean, shit, Fuente. When they did Opus X, they had probably had no idea they were going to get a phone call from Robert Mandavi's lawyer.
0: Yeah. We, uh, Carlito was, I remember when we had him on the show, he talked a lot about that whole battle too. That was a huge battle. he
2: No, that was horrible too, man. I watched Carlito change weights like multiple times. And honestly, I never understood it. Um, because when I look at class of goods, I look at class of goods. Yeah. You know, like, and, and Fuente was never using anything that even resembled anything of, of, uh, you know, Mundabi's products. So how do you, how do you tie something up in court for that long? Just because you want to be a big, bad bully. Sure. That's why for me, the cigar industry is the easiest route. Is it you most normally, if I have a potential thing that I need to talk to someone about, I'll just text them or call them. Right. Um, I never want to have to, I I'll give you a great example. So we did this, uh, this um, potluck series, remember that for atelier, uh
0: huh,
2: where we did the potlucks, and one of the potluck cigars was called burnt ends,
0: and it's a burnt end cigar. And
2: I called the the guy from Ezra Zion. Yep. and I I I apologized. I said I had no idea. We don't make it anymore. But I just want people to know that that it was your shit before it was mine. Right. So like, if you come out with a burnt ends again, I'm going to make sure people know that, know they had it first. And I'm actually never doing it again because of that. I had no clue that they had one, but, uh, what I do, I got on the phone, I called them directly. And I, I was like, dude, I got to eat crow for a second and tell you that I did this. And I didn't even know you had one, but we're not making it anymore. So I hope you <laughs> accept my apology. They were really cool about it. That's good. That's that's how it should be. That's I mean, really that's really how really the cigar in industry to should be. Give you a
1: bunch of shit first, taking <laughs> stuff from them.
2: Well, yeah, okay, but but honestly, <laughs> no, but I, I understand
1: your point. I'm just kind of saying like you, I, you, you you apologize think, and say, by the way, my friend from. Uh, you know, my friend of the lady of the Star Wars wants to talk to you about some of these other cigars that you came. up.
2: Oh, with. well, okay, so here's one for you. Someone sent me a, um, someone's doing a cigar called Frank and Stein. <laughs> yeah, I swear to God, Frank and Stein. and it, Yeah, like two, you know, a Frank and a no, Stein instead of a Frank and a Wiener. Right. You know, a, a Frankenstein and... I told the guy that sent it to me, I said, honestly, man, I don't own the trademark Frankenstein. I don't even own the trademark Frank. Did I use the name Frank before everybody else? Yes. Um, Will, will someone come out with a Frank cigar and I'll have a problem with it? Probably. Um, But I mean, that guy's going to have his own issues because he actually has, he actually has the full on universal image on the band oh boy i'm like yeah dude, good luck with that and i i told the guy i said i'm not even bother i'll watch it but i'm not gonna <laughs> i'm not even gonna get involved
0: wow wow all right uh aaron what we're doing move some of the questions to the last segment that we we kind of sure. skipped uh peep i want before i go i'm gonna do a couple of sponsor breaks and there'll yeah. be some shorter segments i promise um <laughs> but I want to ask you our cattle, speaking of meat, I want to ask you our cattle and meat question of the night. So this is always related to meat. And yep. uh, but your question is, when you're having a nice steak, what side dish do you like to have with a steak? Mm. Uh, mainly because I'm embracing
2: my Italian heritage. Um, it's either risotto or pasta.
0: Nice. Yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's a first-time answer on that one. Yeah.
2: Good for yeah, you. Yeah, and I and I literally uh, I cooked up two steak Florentines today. Nice, wow! So good for you. I think I overcooked them though, but I, I live in a household where kids like their steaks
0: uh, killed them. So yeah, I, I I lived with a father who was like that. So you know, steak <laughs> steak
2: Florentine. You know, that's a that's a two inch cut, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. A yeah, steak exactly. Florentine. You, You'll be lucky if you if you do it the right way, you're going to come out rare. You know That's how it's going to come out. Right, right. Exactly. And that's how they serve it. Uh, I went a little heavy today because I knew the kids wouldn't like it the way I, I like to eat. So.
0: <laughs> Understood on that. Understood on that. All right. So let me uh, go to a, a few uh, commercial breaks here. Uh, let me mention Tailored Smoke located in the heart of downtown Charlotte's epicenter and outside the Charlotte Motor Speedway in North Carolina. Tailored Smoke is your one-stop shop for a tailored smoking experience. And by Jerry Tobacco, the authentic Corojo leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the Golden Age, it was Cuba's leaf of choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars. Because it was one of the most challenging ones to cultivate, it fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamidstron Valley in Honduras, Julio Aroa took on the challenge of growing Corojo from the original seeds. and In 2000, he successfully reintroduced authentic Corojo back to the market. With over 50 years' experience in the tobacco business, from growing and curing tobacco to scar production, the Jerry Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Corojo. Now with Jerry Tobacco, Julio and San Justo, bring their very own brand to market, each containing that authentic Corojo leaf. Aladino is available in a 100% authentic Corojo puro, San Andres Maduro, Ecuadorian Connecticut shade, Honduran Cameroon, or Albano wrapper representing the Golden Age of Scars from 1947 to 1961. Now available at your local retailer, be sure to ask for Jerry Tobacco, a legacy that is tasted in every draw. And by Corona Cigar Company. At Corona Cigar Company, we take pride in the fact that we are cigar fanatics just like you. That's why you'll find the best selection of the rarest and finest premium cigars available anywhere in the world. Plus, we have special limited edition cigars available exclusively to Corona Cigar Company from many famous international cigar makers. We have the best cigar selection, the best cigar uh, customer service, and money-saving discount prices. But don't just take our word for it. Forbes Magazine selected Corona Cigar Company as the best of the web. Corona Cigar Company was voted a top five internet cigar retailer by Smoke Magazine. Cigar Aficionado Magazine wrote Corona Cigar Company, the largest, best stock cigar shops in America. You can place an order online at www.coronascigar.com or visit one of Corona's four central Florida cigar superstores and cigar bars and see for yourself why Corona Cigar Company is the ultimate cigar experience. And by A.J. Fernandez Cigars. A.J. Fernandez's New World brand is named in the honor of the discovery of tobacco by Christopher Columbus's expedition in 1492. Fernandez collaborated with his father Ishmael on a cigar which is comprised of a wrapper from Nicaragua that covers binder from the Jalapa Valley and a filler blend of Ometepe, Condega, and Esteli tobaccos. The Coraline debuted in 2014. It was followed by New World Connecticut, New World Pro Special, and New World Cameroon. All four blends are able to captivate the palate of any cigar smoker. If you're beginning to discover the world of fine premium handmade cigars, New World Connecticut's for you. If you're into rich, full-body blends, the Puro Specials for you. If you're into complex flavors, the New World Cameroons for you. And finally, if you're into any robust and earthy flavors with notes of Espresso, the New World Oscuros for you. Visit www.ajfsigars.com to learn more. And we're going to get into our Alec Bradley uh, Live True segment sponsored by Alec Bradley. Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley. Visit alecbradley.com to find out more about their cigars. Live True. So, Pete, this is the live true segment. We're going to just just take a break from some of the scar talk and a brief discussion. Um, I saw, I guess, on a social media post that you were a Formula One fan. Is that true? Mm. Thanks to Netflix. (laughs) Really? Okay.
2: (laughs) Well, the pandemic did a lot of things for a lot of people. And Uh one was watching a lot of TV. Right. Um, The Netflix series really got me hooked. Like super. Um. It's where I dove into it pretty heavy, I mean it's pretty it's pretty easy uh, an easy sport to follow because um, there's only there's only 20 drivers. So oh, it's, yeah. it's not like you have to know every football player.
1: Only four of you really have to pay attention to. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I, I became a I've been you know woke up very early mornings to watch the the races that were on weird time zones and. I, I got really into it. I even found a way to watch it in my hotel room in Italy, uh, uh, the second to last race. So we had a, we had a good time uh, enjoying the season this year, and I'm looking forward to seeing all the inside dirt on Netflix next year uh, when they come out with the 2021 uh, year on on Netflix for for uh, F1. But yeah, it's a cool cool sport. Um, a lot of A lot of of rules, though. Too many rules. Too many rules I probably don't understand either of why the pace car has to be out there. The stewards (laughs) don't (laughs) understand meters, though.
3: You're you're a good company.
2: Right? Right? No, yeah. yeah. Are you into it?
0: I'm totally into it. Um, I'm more of an IndyCar guy first, but Formula One second. So, I mean, it was like... I remember when, like... And I go back with Formula One. So, the Nigel Mansell... When he came over after winning the World Drivers' Championship to Indy, it was like the biggest thrill. There was just like, it was cra- If you were an auto racing fan, that was like the biggest thing to happen. And he went to drive to the And He almost won the Indy 500 his first year. And then he had a fallout with the Andretti's and went back to Formula One after that. Um, but yeah, so I, I was into Mansell, uh, the Brazilian uh, drivers, Nelson Piquet, and uh, of course, Art and Center. So, but I've been into Lewis Hamilton a lot. I've been a big Lewis Hamilton guy. For uh, yeah,
2: everybody's a Lewis Hamilton fan. I, I mean, mean,
0: yeah, he's a, he's
2: a freaking amazing driver. I, I just chose to, to root against him this year. It was, uh,
0: I, I, became I, a, really,
2: I, I became a Red Bull fan,
0: yeah. I wasn't, you know, it's funny. I, I thought it was, I thought it was Lewis one wears exci- a
2: monster energy on his helmet. I don't know if you noticed that. Ah.
0: <laughs> I thought it was one of the most exciting years of Formula One that I can remember for almost 30 years. I thought this was a what was an incredible, I mean incredible season so I thought it was great out. I I don't know if uh
2: maybe I said this on on bearish bear and Ben show but uh, John Fotakis, who Zach Fotakis from the owl shop in in uh, Worcester his dad and I were in uh Camp Camacho back during the the early days of uh the Camacho Corojo very famous leaf that Julio Rua you yep. know came up with and uh, we were watching formula one and I didn't understand it. He's like, you watch it. I go, no, this is a really the first time I'm really watching it. And it was with him. We happened to be watching formula one on, on Honduran TV. And he goes, my dream is to get uh, formula one to come to Worcester. Good luck. So he was really wow. into the sport. Wow. This was, you know, John sadly passed away uh, a few years later. Um, but uh, that was one of uh, that was one of the conversations about Formula One I really remember because that was his thing.
0: Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, I think next year is going to be a big year because if Hamilton is going to try for the record, for the most champion.
2: Um, I'll tell you that 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 Formula One, uh, I, I'm not sure who's making more money off of. Uh, I'm I'm sure Formula One's making more money off it, of, but that Netflix deal. I got to watch that. I got to watch that turn th- that turned that that sport into gold. Like it's it's obnoxious how much money they're making off of that series.
0: It, it definitely seems like there's been a push with Formula One since that series. There's no doubt because I mean, I'm on social media 10 years ago. Not a lot of people weren't talking about like this. You know, now it's all over the place. Well,
2: I will tell you, Coop, that you'll you will not see a Formula One or F1 cigar from me <laughs> no <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna steer very clear of that one <laughs> yeah
0: there's some big money there <laughs> it just that. seems
2: dangerous but i i have tickets for the miami uh oh, that race already. yeah nice. yeah i think i cool. i i bought in early i uh put a deposit um kind of an odd story i put a deposit in And it was all about the hospitality thing that they were doing. And the guy calls me for my appointment time to go over the purchase of the tickets. He goes, I just want to let you know that all of our hospitality is sold out. I'm like, why'd I put a deposit? He goes, well, the demand's a lot bigger than we expected. um, But uh, I go, well, what's a hospitality, you know, package cost?" <laughs> he told me the number. I go. You get alcohol with that? He goes, uh, no. <laughs> he goes. You get food. I go. I'll eat at home. Yeah. I go. Give me four of my like the best possible tickets that you have that I can spend the money I put the deposit in for. And I got start finish, uh, row sixteen section A one two three and four um, seats one two three and four. And I looked up, I looked up the tickets like I don't know three weeks later, and they were already like five times of what I paid for them. Wow. So I was like, okay, good investment, <laughs> like really good investment. Of course, my wife told me she was "You're not allowed to sell anything. We're going to that fucking race." <laughs> uh, you have you ever been to any Formula One before? No. No, the, the closest thing I ever got to racing was NASCAR when I was a kid.
0: Okay.
2: Yeah, uh, I mean we hey, we had a speedway near us when we were kids. So and what, that's what, when they what, would pass out at NASCAR. When we were kids, we would go to the NASCAR events at the
1: uh, you at Fontana.
2: No, this was in Maine. Uh, it was um, oh. something sp- something Plain Speedway. My brother would probably remember. I'm blank on the name, but we would walk in at you know 13 years old, and they were passing out Skull Bandits to anybody who wanted. Yeah, them. yeah. Remember oh, wow. that? That
0: was huge. Like. Oh yeah, Harry, not Harry Gant. Harry Gant <laughs> drove that yeah. car.
2: Yeah, that was that was my favorite car, actually. Not because I use Skull Bandits, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm no. excited. I'm excited. But I I, I was able. I end up I ended up with six tickets.
1: Oxford Plains,
0: right? Oxford Plains, Thank you. There you go. Yeah, I uh I went to Montreal, um, in '88. It, it's a it's a it was a party. I was in college then. Uh. So, oh, for sure, uh, and uh yeah and i i uh art and center wanted that year so it was it was incredible for me because i was a big fan but yeah it's 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 i've been to all the major like types of racing and and it i formula ones is great you, i think it's gonna be great for miami to have that there too i think they're well do- they're
2: they're tearing apart the stadium to build a, a you know a beautiful track yeah so i'm excited i'm excited um I'm excited to see the, the whole – I just want to be part of the atmosphere and, and be part of the whole thing. I, I'm sure it's just going to be nuts. Uh, yeah. But I don't think they understood the demand they were going to get from it. So oh. here's a good question for you, though. Right. Uh, Aaron, you're into Formula One too? Uh,
1: yeah, I, I pay attention to it, but it's not my favorite form of
2: motorsport. Oh, okay, so the big question, how do you think that Valtteri is going to do when he goes to Alfa Romeo?
0: Horribly. Yeah, I agree. It's the car. Yeah, it's
2: not him. It's, it's the car. Yeah, well, that, it's that's kind of sad.
1: most drivers, uh, Hamilton and Max, would probably do pretty well unless they're on a really low end team. Uh, but I think if you put any of the twenty guys on that field in a Mercedes, they're going to do pretty well. Or Red
2: Bull. Yeah, yeah. Well. I agree. But now Red Bull is going with another new engine, right? Next year, are they yeah. going away from Honda? I thought they were moving away from or are they still using Honda or I thought they were moving away.
1: They were using uh Renault and they went yeah, to Honda. Renault and
2: they got went to Honda, but I heard yeah, now I did, that did, they're I moving away from Honda again. Somewhere. Oh wow. I, okay. I, I don't know. I heard big things for Ferrari next year. Hmm. Supposedly they have some secret weapon that uh, that everybody in the Ferrari camp's really happy about, and uh I managed to get I managed to get a, yeah, a, one of those, yeah, maybe <laughs> from, from uh, my tour guide at the Ferrari factory. So, yeah. <laughs> nice. And it, it would be good. I mean,
1: for, uh, Ferrari being at the front again would be good
2: for the sport. They didn't do bad this year. Yeah. And uh, McLaren, that's another car uh, company that uh, I love. I love Lando Norris. And I, I Daniel Ricardo is, is probably the funniest guy in F1. Yeah.
3: yeah.
2: So, I, I think it might be an interesting, interesting year. I'd like to see Valtari do well in an Alfa Romeo. But I think, yeah, I the, Mercedes, the Mercedes, the Mercedes <laughs> is just, it's kind of unfair, yeah. actually. Yeah.
0: It's true. It, it, it's very true on there. Uh, I like Lando Norris, too. I think he's the going to be the next, you know, I think you'll see him contend in another couple of years.
2: Dude, even this kid, Pierre Gasly, he's, he's a, a future contender for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's driving an Alpha Tori, which is, you know, Red Bull, basically. Yeah. yeah. He was just he missing just, those podiums
1: this here. He, was, he out when he was on with the big team, and they kind of send him, kind of the minor leagues for him, and he's shining, so yeah. kind of a chance. Yeah, which,
2: which cracks me up, too, because, like, we're going to send you down. Yeah, and you think of sending send down, you go to minor league baseball, or yeah. whatever. But you're still on an F one team. Yeah, you know, like, yeah.
1: yeah. we're gonna use all
0: your information to make the whole team better. So don't worry about it. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it's uh it's it's. I I, like I said I'm I'm just fascinated by this too. Um, you know, I always wonder what's gonna happen with Schumacher's son too. If he's ever gonna contend, I don't know if he will. He's yeah. got to get he's yeah. got to get a car well, to do it.
2: Haas has a, a Haas new is, ownership, yeah, like, right?
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. They have new ownership. Uh, it's uh, what's his name, Nikita, right? It's his dad. Yep, that that owns the uh, the team now, which yep. is interesting. You, 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 every time you bring in a Russian billionaire, that always changes everything, right?
0: <laughs> it's true. It, it, it's very it's very true. But uh, yeah, it's. Uh, like I said I I have fun watching it. Uh, I think this was. I don't remember a, a one-two battle like we saw this year on these last two races, you know, back and forth like that. It was just, yeah. Uh, that, was-
2: that last race. I mean, I loved the outcome of the last race because I was rooting for max, but the cool. a little dirty, the car, the, the, you know, the the safety car and I'm like, is this race going to end with a safety car like completely end with a safety car? Like, I thought they should have raced for at least three laps, but they yeah. raced for one. Like that was kind of,
0: I don't know, whatever. Yeah, no, it's 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 true. It's interesting though because like Max and Lewis, right? They when they did bad, they both did bad. Like when they both mm-hmm. were out of races or retiring or just like well, they, are, they were
1: almost out of the, out of that final race on the first lap together that's true. yeah absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that, yeah. Would, that would have been a shitty end for f1 like yeah Louis, i feel like lewis hamilton kind of kept f1 with the safety net there by letting out and let next go so that yep. he, they didn't re- both wreck
0: but yeah no that's true i mean i was just thinking like what was it the yeah it's right and that but uh but yeah it was uh it was interesting um you know, to say the least, it was uh, I do I it was a really really good schedule. I think I think it was uh the one the Monaco race really is the one that cost Hamilton the championship if you think about it. Was that the one
2: where um wait, which was the one that, that Verstappen ended up on top of Lewis? I'm
0: trying to remember. I don't think it was that race.
2: No, it wasn't. It was at I I think it might have been at
0: um, Yeah. yeah. God, what big, what track was that at?
2: That might have been at uh, Spa, actually.
0: Yeah, it was later. Because Monaco was early. And that was just like, that put Hamilton down very early. And he had to play catch up most of the year after that. And then Max, you know, he rattled up those wins. What? Silverstone. Silverstone, yes. Yeah, it, it was uh, Silverstone. Okay. It was Silverstone. I think so. Yep. So, yeah, uh, oh, uh, oh, yeah. Actually, right. Javier Estevez
2: Javier says, yeah, it was
0: Silverstone. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> Someone there in the go. comments said Silverstone. So, Oh wow, we got we got some Formula One people here. Yeah, it's become
2: like a a thing. <laughs> I think Netflix yeah. is doing a good job promoting yeah. it.
0: I just would love to see an American driver again. Uh, we haven't had one for so long. I mean, the only time we had it—that's what I remember was really Michael. Michael Andretti tried it, and it was a disaster. Eddie Cheever did it, you know, for a while in the '80s. He was decent, but he wasn't great. But yeah, if we had How American Dri- U- U.S. guys,
1: they—it's not there. Not their forte. It's like, nope uh, it's not. It's like soccer. They just it's can't,
0: not can't just do can't, do Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you think about it. An Wait, well,
2: there's a there's a couple American guys that went overseas and played uh, played good soccer, so. Yeah, but it's like, you know, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Almost any other sport,
1: you know, you can kind of dominate, but that's true. There's, there's a couple that you just you know, you get
0: a token in here. Or there. That's true. <laughs> All right. All right, so that was our little Formula One segment here. Um, what I'm gonna do, Pete, if you need to stretch, I'm gonna do one more round of commercial, and then we can um, we'll, we'll kind of do the last segment.
2: I'll mute because I apologize. I didn't mute, and I, I realized I saw myself on camera like from- moving my shit around.
0: So I'll mute now, and I will go get a refill while okay. he's doing this commercial. I'm just, <laughs> there. there you go. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. So I want to mention J.C. Newman Cigar Company, founded in 1895 by Julius Caesar Newman. The J.C. Newman Cigar Company is the oldest family-owned premium cigar maker in America. For four generations and 126 years, J.C. Newman has been handcrafting one of the world's finest cigars. J.C. Newman is headquartered in an iconic 111-year-old cigar factory in the Ybor City National Historic Landmark District of Tampa, Florida. At this factory known as Elver J.C. Newman premium cigars by hand and hand-operated antique cigar machines. The J.C. Newman Factory is the second largest in Nicaragua, and it's where Brickhouse, Polo de Mar, El Baton, Coram, and Yaguas cigars are hand-rolled. J.C. Newman's Diamond Crown, Maximus, Julius Caesar, and Black Diamond cigars are handmade by Tabacalera A Fuente in the Dominican Republic. With its longtime partners, the Arturo Fuente family, the Newman's founded, the Cigar Family Charitable Foundation, which supports low-income families in the Dominican Republic with education, healthcare, vocational training, and clean water. Visit jcnewman.com to learn more. And by Casa Cuevas Cigars. The Cuevas family has five generations of experience in cigar making. For many years, they have manufactured cigars for many industry leaders out of the Las Lavas factory in the Dominican Republic. Now the Cuevas family brings their own brand to market with Casa Cuevas cigars. Try the Casa Cuevas Connecticut, Habano, Maduro, La Manderia, and the new Patrimonial line, as well as the Cuevas Reserva line. If they don't carry it, be sure to ask your local retail for Casa Cuevas cigars. Casa Cuevas cigars from our casa to yours. And buy Aventuric cigars. Aventura is the uh, Explorer is the first creation by Marcel Noble and Henderson Ventura. Immediately after lighting up the Explorer, the Mexican wrapper will delight the aficionado with its dark chocolate flavor. After a while on pleasure, the Dominican filler will flatter the aficionado's palate with wonderful spicy and leathery aromas, and unite it with the wooden sweetness from Ecuador. Try Aventura the Explorer and explore the wonderful experience. And we're going to get into our industry deliberation segment, and that's sponsored by Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust. There is no deliberation when it comes to Dumbarton's track record since launching in 2015. This has included six consecutive top three appearances on the half wheel consensus, including number one cigar of the year in 2020 with the Mi Corita tricky Tracker. You can visit DTCcigars.com to find a purveyor that carries the brands of Dumbarton tobacco and trust. So we're going to, the topics we're going to hit, Pete, I think these are a little more industry. uh, We started already hitting some of these already in the last segment. Um, I want to get a few thoughts from you Pete um on um we didn't really talk about uh the PCA exclusives and the TAA exclusives and um I'll just get asked a general question as um let's just start with TAA actually I'll go with um where are you with the TAA right now it I know you did a uh you released the Karloff back to the TAA retailers is that the direction you're maybe going to go in now with the TAA as opposed to creating a new blend every year or you just No gonna,
2: no, the, the, the Karloff thing was because I, I had made extra boxes um, after the half wheel number one from last year. I made extra boxes with the intent to send some of them to the international market. And I just sat on them for a while going, what am I going to do with these? Like I, they actually all came to the United States. I had them in Miami and I was like, I'm not going to ship them overseas now. And then I was like, screw it. I literally made like one of those game time decisions. And at the, at the TA trade show, I go, looked at my brother. I go, let's, let's sell the the thousand boxes. These guys. Oh, really? Okay. So it wasn't, it wasn't like, Oh my God, this is a special release just for them. It was actually an afterthought of like, what am I going to do with them? And I'll give them something that, uh, I have sitting around, but, uh, the TA made a big impression on me last year when I found out that they donated a bunch of money to the CRA and to the PCA for for legislation, and they they kind of got a a kind of a new free pass from me. So I'll, you'll probably see a TA exclusive coming next year, okay, but you'll great. also see you'll also see a PCA exclusive next year also. Right?
0: How do you... I just said
2: the word "also" too many times, but okay,
0: that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> How do you think as a whole, the whole PCA exclusive thing went this year?
2: I thought it worked out okay. My main directive with the PCA exclusive was to drive people to their website. Right. Because I really wanted the PCA's website to be like a one-stop shopping thing for for, uh, information about the industry. And, you know... Sometimes people have questions on how to navigate what to do in different states and how to do things. And the PCA has all that information, most of it out there for you. And I told them when I wanted to do it, I said, listen, this is a good way to draw attention to the website, get people on the site. So they have to order through, they have to place an order through a portal, but you're not, you're not actually selling the product. You're just taking an order for us. You're acting like a sales rep for us. And in turn, the sales reps get, you know, a commission. So I'm going to give that commission to you guys.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It was a good way for me to be able to kick back money to the PCA. All right.
0: All right. Um, the, I kind of, I guess, where I went with it, at, I think the, uh, first of all, the hub I thought was a, was a good infrastructure. I, I think it, it seemed like they, they kind of got away from it, though, after the trade show. Because I yeah, it, yeah, and I'd like to see them kind of go back to it because I thought they were onto something. He says I think they need they're going to need to really kind of hold the manufacturers' hands, or just really kind of sell that on onto them. It didn't seem like it went the way I wanted it to go.
2: Well, I'll tell you that there, there will be a PCA cigar first uh, this year. Uh, the if the TA cigar comes out, it will be later towards the end of the year. Right.
0: So what, what do you think there was? Because it was a lot of what we saw, to be honest, with the PCA releases. It seemed like maybe there was just not enough time to get something out like that would really excite a lot of us. Like okay, yeah. T110, T- like you know, I talked about that. That's something that I would say excites people because that's like, a you know, that was a unicorn type of cigar. So, I mean, that's something really good. But some of the others, I just think it was I don't know. It just seemed like they checked the box and I'd like to see maybe. It kind of develop a little more in terms of some of the, what we've seen with the TAA, and I don't think they're there yet with that.
2: No, they're not there yet. And for for y, we we were able to you know end up having a lot of cigars that we sold at the trade show that ended up being PCA exclusive because we like the the La Riqueza, for instance. We only took orders at the show, and right. that's what we produced. Uh, the T one tens that we had left over of the Havano were sold out at the trade show. Yep. Um, so we tried to bring as much to the PCA as possible, but yeah, it was it was a scramble. Even with we even with having stuff, it was still a scramble because we were like, okay, are we even going to have a show still?
0: Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a shame they couldn't get the pavilion area going. I mean, that was the one I think we were kind of disappointed with that. I think that would have been beautiful to have that, that pavilion going this year with with all the releases there.
2: Yeah. I think, uh, I think, you know, next year, as long as they stick to the plan, I think we're going to have, you know, a cool little uh, inside the show floor, you know, gathering spot where people are really going to, you're going to see a lot of people hovering around bars, hopefully.
0: Nice. Well, I think, yeah, yeah, that would, yeah, that would make some master. sense. Yeah, we kind of soar a little bit at the second half of the show. It would, it would be nice to, to be
2: able to, like, be on the show floor mm-hmm. and, and go up to, uh, let's say, Ian from, uh, from Dapper and say, hey, let me go buy you a drink or something, and we can walk over the bar and still see our boost from the bar. You know, yeah. that's, that's always kind of a nice uh, concept. And it, it keeps people on the floor. I yeah. would love to see longer hours on. Honestly,
0: we've said the same thing. We we've actually advocated for an earlier start time too.
2: Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind, maybe not the earlier start time, <laughs> but,
0: but for sure, maybe the,
2: uh, the happy hour that extends yeah. into like 6 PM or something.
0: Yeah. 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 I, I could tell you though, from, from my day job is like, and I go to a ton of, well, I went to a ton of trade shows, like, 8 a.m. is like the normal start for all these things, right? So you know the, the idea of a 10 10 a.m. start a little different. It's like you know we just that's the only trade show I've ever been to that 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 happens in. So it was a little different for, for that. Um, I guess some general thoughts, Pete. Like, how, how, what was your opinion on on the sh- on 2021? I mean, how did, how would you assess the trade show? We really haven't talked about this yet.
2: I, I liked it. I mean, we we kind of briefly talked about it at the show. True. Yeah. Um. I, I enjoyed uh, the open feel. I enjoyed the fact that there, it wasn't so like I'd have to walk a mile just to get through one booth. Yeah. Um. The PCA for me made a big mistake many years ago where they just said, hey, "You want 200 booths? Here you go. Uh, you want 100? Here you go." Like there was no like concern of like you know you grow too big, you can easily fall on your face if someone leaves. Yep. it it would be would have been an, a a easier blow to handle if if the maximum boost size was twenty five boost. Yeah, you know everybody that's the max. That's that's the max anybody can have. It's comfortable. It's fair, and I know everybody wants to bring out their you know their their big dick and, and show it off. And but if you, you end up losing four great manufacturers on the floor that take up 400 and something booth spaces, you have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You have a real problem, but if it was, you know, four manufacturers leaving, and there was only a hundred or 150. It's, it's an easier blow to, to handle. Um, my hope is that we'll see, uh, Davidoff Drew Estates general and Altadas back on the show floor. I don't think they're ready for it, but, uh, I don't think they need it either, but I think uh, one it, may
0: com- I think one may come back this year that's what but i I guess think as is. an
2: industry as an industry, I think we need it
0: yeah I think so, too. um
2: and then of course, I still laugh about this. I'll never go into a trade show and and listen to uh, someone else's idea and play follow leader on anything ever again um, <laughs> <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I, I, I had a conversation with another friend of ours in, in the industry who who I consider a great friend, and he's got a new brand, even though he's been around uh, for a long time. And uh, he goes, "Man, they 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 like dragged you in and, and hung you out for the wolves to get to you." <laughs> and I, like, did this my own damn fault for fucking playing follow the leader. Yeah. Like, I, I just. You, again, it goes back to the trademark thing. You do stupid shit and you don't even think about it. You're like, oh, yeah, everybody's doing it, right? Yeah. No, no, it'll come back to bite you eventually. So I think that was a learning experience for me. And uh, it actually made me grow as a as a company moving forward.
0: Pete, the, look, you and I were texting that day. I, I was still in Vegas <laughs> and we were texting. And I, I kind of know exactly exactly you everything you said that you are confirmed but but when you put that post out there i thought it really healed the whole thing as much as it could be healed so mm. i think that was something if you grew from that you showed that uh with that with that post and it was it was an honest it was a straightforward post and and i think it did a lot i really did so i think that was a good healing move that you did with that
2: i you know as much as uh like, you know, there's always people on the show floor that I, I don't like to see as many, as much as I like other people on the floor, right. but I still want to see them on the floor. Right. It only, I think, uh, you know, competition in general drives you to be better. And it's nice seeing that competition on the floor. And I, even if I can call it competition, I think we're all trying to do our own thing. We're all trying to, you know, make a good cigar, um, yeah but it's, I think as an industry, we need to be more cohesive and uh, more together because at the end of the day, we don't have more people in our camp. We're, we're doomed. So yeah, we need to stay strong.
0: Yeah. And you know, uh, when we, I know when, when our team went to your booths, right? So our strategy is we usually go to a booth at like four where we could spend an hour or a little more. And we went on day two. And you were off. Unfortunately, you had to run off to a meeting mm-hmm. and you were literally recruiting people to go to this meeting. I remember. And, you know, you just get I remember you going, you went to booth, this booth, that booth significant. Hey, get people to show up at, at this at this CRA meeting, uh, which, again, I applaud you for that. That was a, that was some real leadership that we saw that. And uh, lucky we got to you the next day, which was good on day three. We didn't push it off too far. But, um, you know, that was a good job. I think you deserve credit on that, too.
2: I think the one person I want to see at the trade show in 2022 that uh, that missed 2021, and I think it was more of a just timing thing for them, I want to see Lito and LaFleur back on that floor because, one, I have a huge respect for Lito sure. Gomez, and I have a huge love for for the whole family over at LaFleur and and LFD. Um, so it'd be nice to see all that them back roaming around the floor and I like bumping into people yeah I mean it's it's nice to run into someone on the show floor and and like get a cigar from them like it's just because uh, when we're busy in our booths we don't really pay attention to, to outside those little you know those four corners and it's nice to take a breather and walk around and say hi to people um, and Lito is obviously one of my favorite people in the industry. So I hope he's back.
0: Yeah, he was missed for sure. I mean, they were definitely missed for sure. And I, like I said, I think there were different reasons, like you said, why they weren't there. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I would have loved to have just seen them there anyway, you know, like even if they weren't like a Hercot's type thing, not taking orders, but I don't know how you go there. Again, if you're Lito Gomez and not take orders. So it's kind of tricky. Yeah.
2: Well, um, I mean, Fuente has been doing it for years. They don't take orders. That's true. <laughs> um padrones don't take orders i you know <laughs> i think one of my, my funniest conversations i've had with george padrone in the in the many years that i've known him he says pete people always ask me how the show's doing and i i kind of always chuckle and go we don't sell cigars here yeah and i'm like it's true you you don't you're you're literally like you're here to like say thank you And that's how I look at the PCA more in general of like, I, I, as much as I I love coming up with a new product for the show to drive, drive the, the, the retail base to the show. And I think it's our jobs to bring more people into the show. I also really want to go to that show and just kind of see people and, you know, hang out, shoot the shit, thank people for coming, you know, like, Thanks for supporting the industry, um, and then seeing the the other manufacturers that you only see like once or twice a year. So, yeah, and that that can kind of be based on kind of where
1: where you're at and uh, you know, the the lifespan of the company, because you know you have those new brands that are coming in and they, they are they're really to sell cigars like that's their opportunity to get you know no absolutely face time, and it's 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 brands like you and the other ones that you mentioned that um, draw people to come to the show they get to see them and they get to maybe, you know, see these new brands and they actually can make purchasing. So depending on like the, you know, the, the place and time that these different brands are, you, you each can have your own reasons for the show, but if you're doing it together, it helps everybody
2: in, in their goals to, you know, what they want to get out of it. I agree. I agree. I mean, when I was a, a smaller company, we, we were, we were fortunate, You know, like I had an an attitude, well, not an attitude, but an opinion about how I wanted to grow Tatawahi, which was really slow. And my first trade show, I went in, put cigars in a booth, and I walked away to do regular, you know, my regular job, which was to purchase cigars for someone else. And then the next year was a little bit more of the same thing, but I had to be in the booth a little bit longer. And then the next year was okay, I have to be in the booth a little bit longer, but I can still go out and do my job by the fourth trade show. That was the year I was like, okay, I have to do this only because I I don't have the time. I I think it was actually Vegas 2000. It was Vegas 2006 where I didn't even leave the booth until the last day. And I told uh, the Garcia's as I left the booth, I said, if anybody comes by to look for us, just tell everybody we're sold out we'll get back to them later. And it was really the time that I wanted to go and say hi to, to people yeah. that I respect in the industry. Um, so I, I had a, I had a different maybe circumstance and some people that are coming in off the gate, they're investing a ton of money into a new brand where they need that, that time to see new customers. Um, I already had a job in the industry, so I wasn't like yeah. Scrambling for like this was like an ancillary thing at, at the start, yeah. um, so I was able to take it slow. Some companies don't have that choice; they need that FaceTime right away.
0: Yeah, yeah. I remember those booths you had back then too. It was like you had you were on one side of the aisle, <laughs> the Garcias were on the other side of the aisle, and it was it was kind of cool. I remember those uh, before you went and got the big booth a few years ago. Those were the good old
2: days. Yeah, yeah. actually, I mean, uh, yeah. the simpler times.
0: Is the big booth going to return or no? Uh, parts of it. I'm, okay. I'm gonna.
2: I I actually liked the uh, the open floor plan this yep. year, um, and I realized that like I don't need it. Like I'm there to see people. I I don't need the fancy booth, but I do need some pieces of it. Right. So you'll see parts of the booth uh, at the trade show this year, and also it, it to minimize costs, man, because between. Sands and shepherd it's it's mind-blowing what they charge you for shit so it's um
0: i'll just I'll stick with the simplicity <laughs> right i mean i did i did like i mean you did a product displayed which was good um my some of my criticism was was when people didn't have the product display at least you did have some product displayed there which i thought was, was good but it was simple and, and you were able to really like, you were kind of able to see it and um so i thought that was a good thing as well Um, yeah and coop
2: i'll I'll be honest though moving forward the plan is to not bring every brand that we have in the portfolio yeah the plan is to only bring the new stuff you know we're showing off this stuff only
0: there was something i I mean and i think it's a smart move economically but there was something i did like about the big booth because it was kind of like your you know it's kind of like walking into a department store in a lot of ways where yeah 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 so there was there was there was something it was it was the product was always presented really well um but as long as you had some as long as there was some product that was fine um we helped you out a little taking some of the stuff home i mean it helped us yeah
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah ben ben was very helpful you know like if the opportunity came up and i was like
0: yeah to have you carry it home as a sponsor? Absolutely. <laughs> we we had a little snafu, I think, because he took that and he had so much stuff, he forgot something back at the house that was very important to us, unfortunately. Oh lucky, shoot. Lucky we got, but he was charging so much stuff back. Uh, but we, we were able to work it out, which was good. So <laughs> there was a little uh, a little funny thing with that. But yeah, it was uh it was good. I mean, it was good having him there uh, as well. So we, we we thank you for that as well. Um, yeah, Ben's Ben's a great new addition to your group, by the well, way. Oh, he's yeah, he has. We've learned a lot from him already. Um so he's been He's, been, he's
2: my my scent guru. Yeah
0: yeah, I learned that about him yeah. with the, the scents. I'm like, where did this come from? <laughs> and it's like you mean you didn't know? I'm like, no, like, right. Yeah, you like, would never figure this uh on that.
2: As What's well. his nickname again? What does he go by?
0: The bull shark? The bull shark. Or what the, the bull yeah. shark.
2: So, yeah, the shark. no one ever expected the bull shark to be like to have this refined nose for, for yeah. expensive colognes. And-
0: <laughs> well, look, the funny thing is we have a bear on, on the team and we have the bull shark and there's a cigar by crux called bear and bull. So I was kind of kidding him. I said, you know, we may have to investigate that name <laughs> and joking, but, it, but it's kind of funny. There's a, a bubble, a bull and bear cigar. So, uh, there
2: was yeah. a, there was a cigar that came out briefly back in, uh, I would want to say 2005 or something like that. <laughs> and it, it was uh, called The Bear and the Cub.
0: <laughs> oh, wow.
2: Yeah, so it was marketed to a, sp- a very specific group. <laughs> um, but the what's wild about the guy that was doing this, not only did he have The Bear and the Cub, but he also had a penthouse uh, or Vivid cigar. I think it was Vivid. Uh-huh i remember yeah so every every tubo had like a naked
0: lady inside of it <laughs> see i think cub scouts when i'm thinking bearing
2: <laughs> no no From very different Cubs. you're on the opposite <laughs> side of the spectrum i know but
0: that was, that's what i think because like i three boys who went through scouting so <laughs> so yeah that was that was cool as well <laughs>
2: uh the bull and the bear
0: yeah um Anything on the CRA front? I know you've been involved with CRA. Is there anything like with CRA, any insights with that that you can maybe? Yeah. Um, what's going on there? Right,
2: right now, um, the CRA is pretty strong. Um, we're, we're just looking for more people. We're just looking for more participation from the rest of the industry, uh, trying to recruit as many people that that want to be involved, um, that want to help contribute to, yeah. to the fund, to, to fight off any future things that might come up. And, uh, you know, this, this donation concept that we have with the, the whole CRA pack that we make, the Freedom Sampler. Yeah. Um, that's like a, a big deal. But eventually, I would say it's going to get boring if you see the same 10 companies inside the pack every time. But the cigars, so have, been,
0: the cigars have been really good that have been in there. So, I mean, oh,
2: absolutely. The, the bar was the has been one raised, The
0: bar raised with that in the last few years
2: that was the one goal is to make sure that what's in the pack is, is always something special um, with a, with a certain perceived value also. But um, we, we want other people in there and uh, you know, guys like Ian from Dapper, he stepped up uh, this year. Uh, Dion stepped up uh, the previous year. Uh, not with the packs, but with, with contributions, uh justos from, from JRE obviously stepped up. Christian's always stepping up. Nick Perdomo's stepping up. But I think as a whole, I would easily want to bow out of one of the packs and have like, you know, a special Perdomo inside the pack or even a special JRE inside the pack, because it's going to get, even though we're trying to trip it up as much as possible, it's going to get boring. Um, so we need more involvement all across the board. And uh, right now we're, the, the new website is up, but it's not completely 100% done. And we're working on a new membership program. Um, so there's a lot of work we have over the next few months for sure
0: do you think we'll see a new executive director at some point? It's been like over a year. That's why I was asking.
2: Yeah. It's, it's tough, man. It's finding the right person. It's really finding that that person who understands the industry. Um, and that can actually have conversations with it's you know, the members, but also can lead a group of people in the office every day. And that's truly what the executive director would do. Um, I think it's something we need to find, but we're not we're not rushing into it because uh, we don't wanna we we I've seen a lot of executive directors for the PCA roll through over the last several years that have been complete shit. I actually like Scott Pierce. I actually I think so I'm actually,
0: think I'm actually
2: happy that he's doing really well. Yeah. Um and I hope he sticks around for a long time. But we need someone on the level of Scott that can have the you know, the, give people direction but also can talk with the manufacturers and bring people in I mean there's a guy that's uh, on the team already that I think would be a great person for but I, I think he's kind of like not sure if he would want to do it I, w- I won't mention his name
0: <laughs> I can probably figure it out but yeah <laughs> but no it's interesting there so no it's good news there to hear
2: Yeah, we have a lot of work and, you know, we're kind of still running on kind of a skeleton crew. And then we managed to convince uh, Karen from, from Arturo Fuente to, uh, to stay on as our, as our president, because she's the only one that, that kind of keeps us wrangled. So thank you, Karen, for all the work you do for the CRA, because without you, we'd be a, we'd be a shit mess actually. Um, there's a, there's, a, there's a few people in the room that I count on. Uh, one of them is uh, Karen from Fuente. And then the other is Drew Newman, who is, I think, one of the smartest kids in the room or yeah. smartest guys in the room any, any day of the week. Um, I, I would say all of us are – the rest of us are kind of, I don't know, halfway a little bit of a, you know, high school kids that are trying to figure out their place in life still. <laughs> right. Like That's good, and then some of us can't make meetings because we, we'll, you know,
0: you're working. We're busy.
2: <laughs> yeah Um. We we put Gary Pesh as our our chairman because uh, Robbie was stepping down, and no one, I'll be honest, no one wanted the job, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we we kind of forced Gary into taking the position. <laughs> um, and I kind of feel bad for Gary because people might look at it as like, well, why is a retailer? You know the chairman, but he's, well, he's doing for, a great job. Jeff
0: was for years, but Jeff was happy. Yeah,
2: years. and honestly, I, I wish we could get Jeff back into the fold uh, because Jeff's one of those big people in the industry that uh, has a great voice. Same yeah. thing with Abe. You know, all these guys, like, we have a lot of big voices out there that that could make a difference for the industry. Yeah. Um, but everybody's so busy. It's like, you, you got to take, like, Am I busy? Yeah, I guess. Do I have a lot of work on my plate? Yeah, absolutely. But I still, I still make the time for this because it's important to me. Um, it's really, it's really everybody's decision of how much free time they can, they can donate to this. Uh, that's why we're looking for more and more people to be involved. So I'm hoping begging any other manufacturers or brand owners or distributors that are out there jump into the mix because we're looking for voices. We're looking for people to, to be part of it. And uh, it's not an elitist group. We, we're very welcoming. We're looking for more people to uh, be part of this uh, bigger and better thing for the industry.
0: That's good. That's good. All right. Last question. Um, supply and demand issues that we're seeing right now. Uh, you know, high demand, Supplies getting a little more scarce. Some have said we're in a boom right now. I've heard some say we may be heading for a bust. What's your thoughts on that?
2: I, ha- I hate the uh, the word boom because
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I I've
2: lived through one of them. Right, and uh, I'm always cautious. Um, I think you. I again, I have a container showing up on next Wednesday, like full of a lot of inventory it's a lot of inventory i still have back orders on but i think you're gonna start seeing like a pickup um i don't know 2022 is supposed to be a a great year for me because of the number right um i'm just still very cautious of it could be a curse at the same time but yeah I, i i'm fearful of it and i'm I'm hoping that the the consumer base uh, is still strong and and it, the industry stays supported from the the base alone. I think you know the pandemic did you know put us on a wild ride. No one expected growth levels that we're in right now, but it's something that can easily uh, falter. Depends on how long they keep us locked up in a house.
0: Or if they do again yep exactly.
2: exactly i mean we all we all seem to sit around and smoke more don't we
0: yeah not a bad thing but understandable to what you are all right aaron what do
2: you think i'm curious
0: you're always quiet yeah i mean uh,
1: <clears throat> there's yeah people smoked a lot more because they were home. I think, uh, I, but I also think that there's been a kind of influx of maybe some newer smokers as well. So it's going to be whether or not the newer smokers are, are people that are going to stick or if there's a continuous yeah. kind of in you know influx of those. Um, and yeah, uh, with people stuck at home and how their finances work out over time, there may be, there may have been a lot of spending during this time that they maybe didn't have the income, so they have to start tapering down so I, I, like you said, have to be kind of cautious about it because you just don't really don't know how things are going to shake out because you can't you can't have that real rush and then you know reality starts to set in and things are like you know you know we were stupid to believe that this was going to continue on this trajectory or like yeah I kind of thought that this might happen so we' we're, you know, we're prepared for it so
2: Yeah, no absolutely
1: I
0: agree. I agree as well. All right, Aaron. Anything else we want to hit before we wrap it up? No, I think we're all set. All right, Pete. Thank you so much again. Um, I know, like I said, you weren't feeling great this week. No, <laughs> I feel great. Okay, feel,
2: well, this week I feel great now.
0: Uh, it's amazing what uh,
2: what this new variant is doing. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. Thankfully, it's very calm from everybody I'm talking to that that has it or has had it. Um. There's no real issues and they recovered real quick, thankfully. Um, because I have friends with health issues that that I always worry about and they they've gone through it and they said, nah, like it was nothing. It was really just kind of like an everyday cold. You know, one day with a scratchy throat, one day with congestion, the next day you're like, I guess I still probably have it, but uh I can't find a test at a local drugstore to, to figure it out.
0: Right. Exactly. Exactly. So we'll see. Well, hopefully it goes well for everybody and, uh, everyone's safe. All right. Just quick programming notes. Um, next Monday, primetime jukebox, Dave Burke and I will be continuing to go through the, uh, Rolling Stone top 500 songs and giving our, uh, perspectives on songs, uh, 351 to 400. So we're breaking those down. And then next Tuesday we have the annual cigar aficionado, uh, uh, Pre-game show where we'll be previewing what's what we think is going to happen pete i'm not picking you this year by the way so
2: no 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 i'm just curious um how long is it going to take you to go through the rolling stones 500 by we're the doing way ten, that's we're, crazy we're,
0: we're, we're doing 10 episodes spread out over a year so yeah it's uh we're not, we're not yeah we're, we're not even doing every 50 songs Dude, 10 episodes that. you're doing 550 songs an episode that's crazy no we're only we're picking we're only picking certain ones and then we just oh, okay. uh, <laughs> and then what we do is we um we decide uh like what we think Got gypped. Like what, what? was too high? What was too low? So it, I it, do. It,
2: I saw that post about it. I was like, okay, Coop has finally gone to the fucking the, the, yeah. the clown house. It, like 30, I don't
1: it, know. His top thirty list takes three
0: months to get through. Uh, Coverage six months.
1: <laughs> no, this one, five hundred things are going to take about a decade to
0: get yeah. through. Right. I, I really wanted to do. Well, this one I would say I only wanted to do one episode. Dave talked me into a series of episodes on this one. So it's so far it's worth one episode
2: for five hundred. <laughs>
0: yeah, but I. But uh, it, 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 it's, it's, it's been interesting going through that. We've been having a lot of fun going through that. So uh, and, and and those shows are shorter. So uh, they're not very long. So uh, by 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 these standards. <laughs> so. All right. Um, OK, so here's
2: real quick before we go. Uh-huh. Where's the prediction? You think we're going to have some long ass herf again this year? Someone doing like, you know, 15, 18, 24 hours you yeah. think that's going to happen again people uh, realize I, how
1: stupid of an idea that was
0: uh I, I did i did challenge
2: the fuentes <laughs> to break the record <laughs> what's the record like 24 hours no 27 right? hours yeah 27 so that was the merrifield yeah uh, group right yeah.
0: and i when i suggested it to them they they said how about you own it and i'm like uh maybe we don't need to do that <laughs> So I think I don't know I think I think like I said that was an that was an amazing logistical job by the way that they did with that. I'm just going to say that. Oh, no crazy. And it was crazy. actually very eye-opening. Like I learned a lot about the it was really geared for the worldwide market. So but there was a lot I learned um on that show which I thought was really cool just talking. I talked to the guy who owns a lot uh Casa del Habano in Chile, and it was I, I had a great conversation with him. I had no idea what he did. I've,
2: but... I've been I've been to that that shop in Santiago. actually. yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. yeah no, he was a great guy, um, Jose Miguel Salvador. He was awesome, um, and uh, you know, he, he gave a lot of insights into you know what it means to get a regional exclusive and an LCD. Uh, okay, so that
2: it. that brings up the topic, and I hate to stretch this out, but. Where do you think Habanos is going to be in 2022?
0: Oh, boy. They got problems right now, yeah.
2: Huge, <laughs> huge yeah. problems.
0: Em- empty shelves all over Europe right now.
2: Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I was in Duty Free at, at Heathrow and I went into their tobacco room that they have and they had six boxes of H. Upman Petit Coronas and that's it. Wow. Well, it's- <laughs>
0: Yeah, I've been six a boxes.
2: Lot of-, of course, they had a bunch of like the the Cohiba mini cigarillos, yeah. like those things that are super easy to make. But six boxes of premiums—that's it. That that blew me away. And, and I was talking to um, someone from Souders, actually Lawrence from Souders, and and he said, you know, the difference between 2019 2020 to twenty twenty one. Like they produced and shipped only forty-two million cigars. That's nothing.
0: Nothing, I know. I
2: don't know if that's even a real number, but
0: it—that's uh, nothing. Yeah, I mean, judging from what I—the pictures I've been sent from people—I I even find that number high right now.
2: <laughs> By the way, yeah, well, actually, and forty-two million—if you think about it—I think the Newman shipped forty-two million cigars a year. So yeah, <laughs> that's really nothing.
0: No, it's true. That's true that's very true wow yeah that's a good thing all right all right and then just one last note um before we go next thursday show we will announce that show probably next couple days who the guest will be so stay tuned for that but the the ca show is on tuesday night so um that's it Aaron, thank you thanks to our audience pete thank you as well and That's going to wrap up primetime episode 214 into the annals of history for December 30th, 2021. Now December 31st on the East coast, New Year's Eve, last show of the year. We'll see everybody next year. Take care, everybody. See you guys.
2: Peace.